WrestleMania moment in history is without a doubt beyond a shadow of a doubt. WrestleMania 10, WrestleMania 6, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, WrestleMania 3. I mean, you're talking about 25 years. The first WrestleMania was such a mind-boggling thing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, WrestleMania 3. Everybody that lived and breathed was a Hulk Hogan fan. I rooted for Andre the Giant. WrestleMania 4, when Macho Man became the World Heavyweight Champion. Going to WrestleMania 6 and seeing Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior and feeling the electricity that was in that building that day. Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. That ladder match was just so innovative. Brett versus Owen. Every single WrestleMania that I've been in, Rock and Hogan, two icons facing each other. I think it's all Stone Cold's great matches. The Austin era has begun! Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart Iron Man match. WrestleMania 12, the first WWE Championship. The boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels! That's the stage that I want to be on. I, I needed to, to be involved in that. I'm going to be in that ring someday. Would be the coolest thing in the world if I could ever be involved in that. Every time I step into the ring, we know that this is our time to make those moments. That's what WrestleMania is all about, is, is creating a memory. Is also, there's tonight. 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 I make history. Tonight. That briefcase. That briefcase is mine. I've done it once. I'll do it again. It could have been different. Nothing ever changes. Tonight, I do what I do best. I go extreme. Tonight, my World Heavyweight Championship. You two no longer matter. The champ is back. The streak is over. I own WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels, your time has come. Tonight, I destroy Triple H. I bring suffering to Randy Orton. I finish off the McMahon. Tonight, I'm going to leave my mark. Tonight, 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 the 25th anniversary of Wrestle WrestleMania. 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 One thing I wanted to do, Freeze, that I, every time I listen to a new episode, I think I really, I'm really, I'm fucking kick myself because I didn't do it. I want to see if I can do an acapella version of the theme song and then you put it over and see if I can time it as well as I think I can. So at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> I'll start off and you can play, you can put the audio from the theme and then my audio on top of it and see if it fits in as well as I think it could. So I think it could be quite impressive. Well, I, lo- I love that you are desperate to do this, knowing that I'm the one who'll have to do the work in post-production to make that happen. I, well, if you do all the editing, I'll just do that bit if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair. I think that's pretty fair. Okay, so if you are you, what are you picking to do? Oh no no, our theme sort of da 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 da. Oh I see. So I wanted to do that and oh, then I just can do you, that. 
I you thought you meant like, over the top. I just thought you meant like random entrance Hello. themes. Hello. Oh no no no! Or like random wrestling review. <laughs> like, over the top well, that'll be that'll be another episode. You have to come up with lyrics to go over the top. <laughs> oh, definitely. I can do that. I can do that. That's easy. That'll be for a future episode. <laughs> yeah. So I'm basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this at the start of the episode, and then okay. I'm going to say, "So here's Tom to sing along with the theme tune yeah. <laughs> for the random wrestling review." So off you go, Tom. Down out, down, 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 much lesser for not having that intro. Oh, there we go. I'm not sure you did it for long enough, Tom. I, I think it was a good. Is a good another ten seconds long? But you've already started talking over that bit, haven't you? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I think the I'll bit that I what. do, I think the bit that I do, I, I still think is longer. And, and the bit that goes do is when I start talking. So, well, that's the thing. I want to. I want to see how it lines up. So if it's shorter, then it's shorter. That's it. All right. Well, I've right. I think you fucked it. But never mind. Don't matter. It's all good. <laughs> Sorry about the very strange cold open, but uh, welcome once more to the Random Wrestling Review as we hit what WWE termed the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, proving that their maths is almost as bad as their employment practices. Whatever the case, today I'm joined by a pair of men who, like myself, were actually in attendance for WrestleMania 25, though in a different part of the arena. First of all, we have Tom Smith, whose purchase of a t-shirt at a cost of $96 was a particular highlight of our holiday in Houston back in 2009. How are you, Tom? Uh, very good. Good, very good. I don't have that t-shirt anymore. It wasn't actually a wrestling t-shirt. It was a billionaire boys club before it became popular in England anyway. So I need to, I need to, I was going to wear, I'm a bit annoyed actually because it's a bit warm in my house. I was going to wear my Wrestle 25, WrestleMania 25 hoodie, which I've still got and still fits perfectly, but it's got a bit of bleach on it, which is annoying because I, I, I think I came on it and tried to like clean it off or something. Yeah, so uh, so it's got loads of bleach stains all over it. But uh, alas, it's too warm, so I wouldn't be doing that today. And that would have been a great visual treat for the listeners. Really would have yeah. been. And also we have the man who would have been making his long-awaited comeback to the pod today had he not had to step in at late notice for our WrestleMania 20 episode. It's the one and only old man, Sam Carey. Hello, lads. How are you doing? Good. Good. And now you're back, aren't you? You're, you're properly back now. I'm back. And in the words of Eric Bischoff's theme song, I'm better than ever. Wow. <laughs> that. That's, yeah. That's a great theme song as well. <laughs> yeah. And also, I have been channeling my inner Eric Bischoff. So I'm now really into motorbikes and <laughs> crap booking of wrestling. <laughs> and terrible dye jobs for what little hair you yeah. have left. It's just jet black. <laughs> I think my hair at the moment is probably about two and a half millimetres long. And I just jet black in it every morning. <laughs> just said uh, to my fiance, have I, got, have I got all of it? Have I got all of it? <laughs> For context, it looks like someone's just rubbed a load of charcoal over his head. It's absolutely magnificent. Yeah. Well, if anything, it's deeply offensive, to be honest. 
Well, you know, you talked about you talked about earlier on the uh, hoodie that you have spoiled with your semen. I bought some T-shirts in uh, Houston and in Phoenix. I yeah. wanted specifically to get Austin 316 T-shirt and the Brett T-shirt that was available. Although I didn't end up getting the Brett T-shirt at WrestleMania 26 for some reason. I don't think it was. I think it, it was sold out. It sold out at one of the uh, at the store that we looked at. But then I've got one, so I think I think Old Man may have gone past a different merch store and grabbed grabbed one for me. And I've got the same. I've still got that austin 316 t-shirt from wrestlemania 25 and it is in a terrible state although it's been free of ejaculate <laughs> well mine went missing i think we i think <laughs> i lost it in one of my house moves and it just is i don't know where it's gone to so that was the one t-shirt i mean you know you're both now i'm not t-shirt wearer mm. but i did want that one i know it's time you've got a we the ones t-shirt on yes so i went to uh the beginning of uh july i went to a house show in cardiff day after money in the bank actually and it was absolutely tremendous and it was it was i'll be honest i was foaming at the mouth of the usos that night and that, and i'll tell you what actually i didn't, didn't know if we were going to go into this or not but obviously they beat uh the roman reigns in the solar Sky. spoiler alert six weeks ago if people haven't watched it and it was amazing being in the the metro point i think it is the the smaller arena in uh, in cardiff it's probably about three thousand people there maybe like that the noise when the usos came out was absolutely unreal i've i don't know if i've ever heard anybody that over well they're the ones tom so they yeah they the well the twos really but they can't they you know they can't be known as that can they because people might be like yeah shit shitty shitty (laughs) (laughs) even with that book and i don't think they could get over that no so yeah wrestlemania 25 today guys we were all there Mm. and we had a lovely little holiday in houston we got there, I think, on the Tuesday before the uh, the show. Then had sort of a few days of just chilling out, going shopping, eating, eating a lot, eating loads of food. Oh, uh, Marcos, yeah. is that right? Is that the right name oh, of the restaurant? Marcos, Marcos. Yeah. I do know what I think about Marcos. Probably once a month, I think, which mm. might not seem that much, but for a restaurant I went to 15 years ago, is is still still you know big there. And the best thing about it was, I remember when we got there, we were like, there's like four of us, us three and and forty friend of the show, and I remember. We like, I think I ordered burrito. Like everyone ordered, it was like a Mexican place, and we all ordered a dish each, and then we ordered like some nachos and something else to like share on the well, table. We ordered starters and a mix. That's right. That's what yeah. we did. Yeah, but we ordered starters to share. The idea was to share, and then the wait, the waitress was like. Well, the waiter, I can't remember. We're like, that's so. There's four of you, and you want six. You want six meals, and we were like. Well, yeah, just you know, put it in the middle. We'll pick, we'll pick, yeah. And then we were like sat there, kind of chatting, having a couple of beers, having a couple of Coronas, or something, I expect something mm-hmm. like that. And then all of a sudden, they come along with another table and add it to the end of our table. And we're like, oh shit, things are ready to get real. And the portion sizes in this fucking place was the biggest food portions I've ever seen in my life. I don't think we even made it through half that food. No, in no, that no. Fucking table. No. It was outrageous. Go on, Marcos. Although, is that the place that you had the catfish? I'm just about to bring it up. The greatest meal I've ever had, the catfish dinner. Yeah, Yeah. people who listen to this obviously know that Tinky isn't one for the swearing necessarily. But I think in particular back then, you weren't really. And he's not one to get excited, really, Tinky, is he? (laughs) It's very steady, very level. So he took a bite out of this and he turned around to all of us. He went, that's fucking sweet as fuck. No, 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 no. You got that (laughs) wrong, mate. You got (laughs) that wrong holiday. That's right. When we were in Madrid and uh, we went to a bar and we were sat we were sat there and i think we'd all had enough beer and tinky was like i don't know why you ordered it why did you like think you saw what people were drinking you're like what's that and they were drinking gin and lemon fanta is that right i think i, I, don't, I don't think this is right either really? I, 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 I remember you going 
that's sweet as fuck that is yeah i did say that and it was in but i was in madrid but i thought it was in vips that i said that oh vips about yeah. milkshake. <laughs> i think it was a milkshake and I, it was I, that's what i said but i definitely did enjoy that catfish dinner incredibly mm. like it was definitely one of the best meals i've ever had so well done that, marcos i hope you're still there that was also also when you went uh you said to the waitress you said can i have the catfish dinner then an old man let over went you can't have it it's the catfishes <laughs> and uh <laughs> we just laughed so hard that uh yeah old man was very proud of himself for a couple of days after of that course I think. I'm, always, I'm always proud of well to be fair I completely forgot about it, but I'm still proud of myself now. You know what? I have no recollection of making that cracking joke. I remember you. I remember you saying it. But I also remember the other thing that I was potentially going to say about you in the intro was that when we were at WrestleMania 25, we broke your glasses. Well, I broke your glasses. Oh, yeah. I didn't really want to say, didn't want to own up. Did you? Yeah. Remember, like, obviously, because we were in houston for wrestling we were doing a lot yeah. of uh, work oh yeah and i did one on you and you obviously sold it so well that your glasses came flying mm-hmm. off they no, broke. No, no, and, no, and, hang on tom hang on hang on i haven't finished yet wait Right. And then old man managed to sort of fix them and put them on the table in the room, and we were chucking a ball around in the room, and then the ball fell on the glasses and broke it. Old man, old man went. I can't pretend that I'm not annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> there was a good two, three hours where it was a bit sullen, and I was just yeah, going, yeah. It was cracking, wasn't it? It was a lot of beer. You remember when? Uh, so when I went on the first date with my now fiance. She's an American lady. So we were talking, just talking about restaurants. And I was saying, basically asking me if I'd been to America, as you do. So, yeah, I went to Houston and I said, oh, we went to the Olive Garden when we were in Houston, which is obviously an institution in America, but known for like being just bang average Italian food. But we got so hammered in the Olive Garden. I remember when we left, they said, have another drink for us, guys. As we were walking out, as we stumbled out. And that was when I ordered the Jack and Co. That was 93% Jack Daniels. 4% ice, 3% Coca-Cola. Yeah, it was it was incredible. My, my favourite, my favourite, God, this is getting self-indulgent in there, boys. But yeah. the, other thing, the other thing I remember is when we decided, one day we didn't really have anything to do, and it was, before, it was like the day before, yeah. like the Hall of Fame. So we decided to walk down to the Toyota Centre where the Hall of Fame ceremony was and where the Ring of Honour event was that we were going to go to and the Monday Night Raw we were going to go to. Yeah. So um, we decided to like, walk there and said, now, according to old man, it would take about two 45 hours. Minutes. Like, 45, 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Two hours. 45 and, uh, minutes it was, yeah. Yeah, and uh, about two and a half hours later, in the blistering heat, walking through, walking, let's be honest, walking through the hood in uh, in Houston, uh, getting all kinds of looks from from various people, not not look, being particularly welcoming. Grogan's and it was fucking boiling. <laughs> I cannot state how hot enough how hot it was. And we went to a uh, we ended up stopping at a, a, a gas station, as they call them in America. Mm. I think you guys grabbed the soft drinks. Me and Forty grabbed a beer. Carried on walking walking through there, and then we found this park by the Toyota Center with this bar in it, this rooftop bar. And I remember ordering a large Corona again, back on the old Coronas, and it was the and it's still maintained is the most satisfying pint I think I've ever had in my entire life. It was absolutely magnificent. Oh, I think back to that pint once every month. So that's another story that I told my fiance on our first date. She was like, "Sorry, you walked through Houston." You walked for three hours through Houston, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. She was like, "Yeah, people don't really do that. It's not really a thing." I was like, "Well, I mean, I remember because it was about on the map of Houston, which is, I think, the fourth largest city in the U.S. according to Michael Cole. But yeah, it was about it's about an inch and a half on the map. I was like, "Well, it can't be too far, can it?" Can it? <laughs> so basically, 
you didn't you didn't plug any information in you didn't actually have a decent measurement you just went oh it's about that and put your finger and thumb a little bit mm-hmm. far away from each other and went can't be that much yeah. time can it wow science well that was it and i remember we'd gone to target and tom had bought the Chappelle show on dvd and it was a beautiful day and i think uh me and you think you were just like oh, i don't want to sit in here and watch steve Chappelle. and we were told let's go for a walk and I remember you and Forty, Tom, were a bit like, oh, I don't know. Uh, we'll come for the walk. And we've been walking about 20 minutes. So I was like, yeah, I think this might be a bit longer than 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and it, it was actually three hours. It was three hours. <laughs> so a little bit longer anyway. Yeah. It was great bonding time. And it was a great beer. It was great bonding time for my testicle and my inner thigh. That's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Bat wings galore. Right. I think it's time we got on to today's show. And, uh, I think we have to. I know, I know, I know, but we do, we do. No one wants to really listen to us talk about our memories for three hours. Mm-hmm. So, expectations for WrestleMania 25. Let's start with you, old man. So, my expectations were that this was a one-match card, but what a match. And the rest of it, I thought, was going to be, from memory, the rest of the show was pretty turd. A couple of real turds in there as well, from memory. So, I my expectations were, apart from that golden about 45 minutes from entrances to the end of Shawn Michaels' Undertaker, whether this wasn't going to be very good at all. What about you, Tom? Similar to old man, one great match, a couple of bang average matches and some absolute shit. Proper you, Ben Cloggers, we're talking about with some of the matches. <laughs> so I was looking forward to watching it because I was looking forward to chat with you guys about it and reminiscing about stuff but i wasn't massively looking forward to it because i don't think i've ever watched i must have watched the show in its entirety but if i have it's only once or twice at most and considering that i was there you know that's not a very high amount of time so i don't think no i think uh, i don't think i've watched it once all the way through since we were actually there i don't think I'd, i have i definitely watched obviously the undertaker Shawn michaels match a number of times so i was looking forward to that the rest of it i was really not looking forward to i was really thinking this is not going to be one i'm going to enjoy and my it that's entirely from my memory of of the show when we were there i just kind of thought i came away from that show thinking well it wasn't a great it wasn't a great wrestlemania overall but we did get to see a great match and i just yeah that's all I could really remember about the show was I knew the right, I knew what the other matches were, but I couldn't remember anything about them and I didn't really want to remember anything about them. So, you know, I was going into thinking this is going to be a rotten show, but is going to surround, you know, a piece of gold right in the middle. So you're thinking like a, a, a gold encrusted turd. No, the other way around. A piece of gold wrapped in a turd. Maybe like a, like a turd in a gold blanket, if you will. Perhaps a turd duckin, if you will. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. A turd <laughs> wrapped in a goose, wrapped in a duckin. Yeah, a duckin. Yeah. And then, <laughs> oh. then fucked by Tinky. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, we, I remember we had one of them about eight nine years ago for christmas because one of those abominations they wrap, <laughs> yeah where they wrap one bird inside another inside another this is now this was with my my, my in-laws who you know of which my wife is now a vegan so it's a strange that's <laughs> probably what did it <laughs> i think it probably was it's quite an extreme uh quite an extreme experience can I, can I just ask tinky obviously only speaking for yourself what was the outage like afterwards it must oh. have been horrendous I can't remember, but what I was going to say later on when Tom was talking about turds is I find that now as I get older, more and more of my poos are just not what I want them to be. (laughs) (laughs) 
But no, not, not <laughs> many clean breaks, no one white wonders. No, there's a lot less ghosts. There's a lot less, you know, clean one, you know, off they go. You know, you, have to, yeah. you, you always have to put bleach down the thing. You know, it's just, oh, it's just awful now. It's just, it's just not a very pleasurable or enjoyable experience like it once was. I still, yeah, it's difficult because I, I tend to be two a day, usually all done by 10 o'clock in the mm, morning. Me too. Usually yeah. all done, completely cleared out for the day. But sometimes the, the first one's quite disappointing, quite a difficult cleanup because I know there's more to come. Yeah. You know? It's always a tricky one, especially when you haven't got as much time as you used to have. So you're kind of like before you could have just sat there, stood there, sat there for 20 minutes and gone, ah, fuck it, it doesn't matter. I'll just wait for the next one to come along. But it doesn't <laughs> don't work that way anymore, unfortunately. Especially when your kid walks and they want to get in. You're like, fuck off. This is my time. <laughs> All right. China and Triple Eight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. Right. Talking points for WrestleMania 25. I think we'll start with you, old man, seeing as that you're a returning hero. So, uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, I don't really know, to be honest. It was really, like, it was really, because let's talk about Michael's Taker, but I just, there's nothing else. You know what? I will talk about I will talk about the Hardys because I had a big boner to pick with the Hardys match. So, in the preamble, in the video at the start, so it's Matt and Jeff. Matt's been terrorizing Jeff, obviously, because he's been bloody grabbing onto his coattails for about bloody 30 years. So, in the video, the, like Matt's been doing stuff, messing with him, nasty stuff, like <laughs> pyro in his face. There was something, to, some other stuff. Bring his house down. Killed his yeah, dog. And then, killed his yeah, dog. Yeah, this is my problem with it. Is they insinuate that he killed his dog. And this is obviously a big part of the story. And then Jerry Lawler, when they gets brought up, is like, oh, no, we obviously don't know that he killed his dog. Because they obviously realised it was such an awful thing <laughs> to suggest that another person had killed a dog. That they were like, oh, let me. It basically was the start of just crap. So JR says that Jeff's ovation when he comes out was bigger than any rock band at Reliant Stadium. Again, he bloody loves that. Uh, and also, um, JR says that obviously they're well-versed in winning TLC matches at WrestleMania, the Hardy Boys. They didn't win any. They haven't <laughs> ever won a TLC match. It's like they've never won one. I was like, oh, dear. But and, and it's not a TLC match. No, no. Well, They're well-versed in WrestleMania, mate. They're winning at WrestleMania. <laughs> But I th- I thought, so in my mind, I've always thought that this was after the World Heavyweight, uh, the um, WWE Championship match in my head. Can't remember why I think this, but I always have, because I can remember thinking it was turd and they weren't given enough time. If anything, I don't know how long it is, but fuck me, there's a rope break. There's a rope break in this Extreme <laughs> Rules match. I mean, now we're getting to, now we're getting to the nub of the issue, aren't we, old man? The match wasn't bad. It was just the referee was inconsistent. <laughs> well, and Matt cuts his head, so I remember this when it happened. I remember at the event, it takes the referee absolutely ages to get his head to stop bleeding because he basically puts a plaster on him and it doesn't stay. That's terrible, lads. I, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I just... Well, it's, it's, it's less a talking point, more a, a, a dribbling mess of a return yeah. to the show for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you've got to give the people what they want. <laughs> Definitely. As you said, it's an Extreme Rules match between the Hardy brothers, Matt and Jeff. It goes for 13 minutes and 15 seconds and ends where Matt Hardy hits a twist of fate with Jeff Hardy's neck and head wrapped up in a chair. Tom, what did you think of the match? Well, it's not very good, is it? Let's be honest. It's just this rubbish and it's extreme rules. And there are some pretty good spots in there. But the first bit that came to mind was that this is a blood feud. 
blood feud. You know, for all we know, Matt Hardy's killed Jeff Hardy's dog. What's he yeah. do? Gets his makeup on and has a little dance on his way yeah. to the ring. It's like, come on, just like I don't need, I don't need to do to do this for every match. But sometimes you just need to just fucking get down to the ring and get down to business. Do you know what I mean? None of this fucking stupid mucking about Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. And when he made his debut in in uh, AEW he did the exact same thing he like Matt Hardy's getting the shit kicked out of him by the four, by his like former kind of crew I can't remember what they were called and Jeff Hardy runs down to the ring and halfway down the ramp he turns to the side and just starts doing his dance <laughs> your brother's getting the shit kicked out of you you're a terrible guy it was all revenge it was all revenge for this you know? yeah so that's the reason Jeff did the dance he was like I don't actually want to save him because he's a prick he killed my dog yeah, also, yeah that's the thing that's the point I mean if we're gonna we can't go too kayfabe and too canon with everything some things are unforgivable <laughs> That was yeah. definitely one of them. Like, I'm gonna, you so. kill my dog, I'm going to kill your mum. Oh, that's my mum. I can't do that. There's a bit which I've never seen in a wrestling match before or after where um, Matt Hardy hits Jeff Hardy with a vacuum cleaner, which is lovely. Yeah. It's a proper Henry Hoover out from underneath the ring. Beautiful stuff. I love that. I got a note that says table sandwich spot. And I'm like, what the fuck am I talking about? Mm. But there's a spot where, I think, is it Matt Hardy gets, uh, Jeff Hardy comes off the top rope onto the outside mm-hmm. and Matt Hardy is led between two tables. And it's pretty savage, a pretty savage spot. And the end of the match obviously as you said Tinky it's the twist of fate you know with Jeff Hardy's head in the chair which looks excellent I might add that's mm-hmm. definitely the highlight of the match but just before that Jeff Hardy takes a really unnecessary bump mm-hmm. where he goes he ju- he's got one two ladders in the ring one's bigger than the other he's on the smaller ladder and he jumps up and leapfrogs over the big ladder to do a leg drop to which Matt Hardy moves out the way and all I could think of was poor Jeff Hardy's perineum in that circumstance so that has got broken tailbone mm-hmm. piles all kinds of awful ailments happening after that and I just thought to myself that was not worth it for the calibre of match that this actually is. I don't think the perineum was suffering there. I think that was all tailbone. Yeah. Both yeah. Bollocks, bollocks landing as well, do you reckon? No, I, th- I think he la- he landed yeah. at such an angle, which was just like, you know, that, that was going to hurt his tailbone. Spine. Yeah. His yeah. compressed spine. After, imagine that. Imagine having, like, if he didn't, I mean, obviously, well, you could say it ended his career because look at him now. But um, if that was the match that ended your career, doing a completely needless spot like that would be guided. I was a little bit happy for them, though, because I did kind of think to myself at one point, I'm thinking of them as the actual people they must have been like this is pretty fucking cool do I mean that we're having a match against each other one on one match against each other at Wrestlemania but that didn't save it from being shit and boring no and also you've got this thing where because you hit what in that rambling mess that I did you've hit the nail on the head Tom in that there's no urgency I'll tell you now right one if some cunt killed my dog they wouldn't make it to Wrestlemania I'd have thrown him down a bloody mine shaft weeks before there's also and I have very vivid memories of this so Matt Hardy in the promo video Matt Hardy's in the ring on Smackdown and he's going yeah you some stuff's happened to you Oh, yeah. And it was me. And it's so monotone and so terrible. I was like, oh, this is bad. And then there's an amazing moment where Jeff Hardy comes down and he goes, you're sick, you're twisted, you're something else. And so am I. And then just starts beating him up. And I was like, oh, it's terrible. But this is the thing. This is the kickoff of the feud. And it's just like, oh, it's so flat and boring. Coming back so- to it. I'm coming back to boring. <laughs> So I, I'm going to I'm going to say that I didn't mind the match on this viewing. I, I was with you expecting what you guys said, remembering the match. And I do think that there's a degree to which that whilst it's great to be there, I think wrestling is easier and better to watch on television than it is life. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. 
I'm going to say it now. In fact, I've I've felt for a very long time that only football is actually enhanced watching in person in terms of the sporting element. Forget the atmosphere. The atmosphere is a porn. Well, I don't know about porn, but forget (laughs) the atmosphere because atmosphere is obviously the reason why you go live to watch these things. But in terms of the enhancing the experience of watching the sport, football is the only thing, only sport I can think of that's actually enhanced by being there. Mm. Like every other sport happens in much smaller space and and the minutiae is much more important. The television camera actually helps you watch it. And, and, And I think this is true of wrestling. Do you think that's because though you've seen more or live football possibly than, than possibly. any other sport because well, i think there's an element of that because it is for me having not watched anywhere much anywhere near as much live football as you two being both season ticket holders for the bristol clubs like i i sometimes struggle a little bit watching it live in the same um, way that i think you do with wrestling or like i have done with wrestling well, as well it depends i think it depends also right where in this in the ground you are so i have always traditionally watched from the side pretty much side on almost in the center so i i just find that you get a better view of the entire pitch and football is a lot about positioning much more so than for example rugby which is on a similar size pitch nearly everybody's in the same you know you can see the minutiae of the scrum or the ruck or the mall which you can't do if you're watching live whereas football you really need to see the runs that the fullbacks make you know or the, the the positioning of the right winger when the ball's on the left hand side of the pitch which you can't see on a television so like I, I just find that football just is enhanced as a you can see you can see the sport better when you're watching live, whereas every other sport I can think of is harder to watch when you're watching it live because you need to see the the detail that's going on. Anyway, this has gone off onto a weird tangent. So I was saying, well, the reason I was saying that is because the Hardy Boys match I felt while watching it in the arena I thought was terrible and I didn't think that the crowd the crowd sounded more impressive on the video than they did when I was when we were in the in the crowd I don't remember the crowd noise being that hard but in but in general I thought this was okay it was a spot fest it wasn't great but it was it was something and I think they folded in enough spots to make this the match that probably people were expecting from the Hardy Boys against one another. Probably the match they wanted to have against one another. And those three, those three sort of main spots, the the sandwich table spot, the leapfrog over the ladder and the, the uh, twist of fate with the chair, I thought warranted the feud. Obviously, though, this was supposed to be, as, as we understand, Christian's match, wasn't it, against Jeff Hardy? Because obviously Christian had returned to WWE. You may remember this. At the Royal Rumble, Matt Hardy turns against Jeff Hardy, but the original plan, apparently, was for Christian to return to WWE and be the one revealed to have done all this stuff to Jeff Hardy, and they rewrote it because it got leaked that Christian was coming back. I, I can remember that Rumble. I remember there being a lot of um, expectation as well. Maybe maybe not knowing that at the time, but knowing that Christian was coming back and thinking he was going to be back in the Rumble, and he actually made like a really underwhelming return on like Raw or something like that, like a couple of nights later. And whilst I don't necessarily, I think we had this conversation before about Christian whilst I don't think he's great I don't think he was he was helped by it it would have been better for him to have returned in a main storyline rather than just in the wet fart way that he was and then chucked into the money in the bank where it doesn't really matter if you're there or not if you're not going to win it I'll tell you what though and we'll get to this he's fucking over isn't he <laughs> yeah but do you reckon, yeah. do you reckon he was going to do you reckon he was going to come back and they were like oh I've got his plans for him and then, Vin, then he walked back in and Vince was like oh my god your face and was like <laughs> yeah. do you know and I was like oh fuck that get him in the money in the bank <laughs> Okay, so that's old man's talking point, as such as it was. <laughs> Tom, what did you want to pick out? So my talking point was actually going to be our WrestleMania experience. But as we're not going to talk about that, as we kind of already have, mm-hmm. I am going to cover... I'm going to cover the main event. Go Triple H versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton is the champion at the time, going into the match. No, he's not. Triple H is the champion, going into the match. Yeah. Are you sure? 
Oh yes, he is. Yes. All right. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Well, it kind of feeds into what it is. So I remember, I remember watching the. Um... <laughs> it kind of feeds into what it is. <laughs> the main thing of the match. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it kind of feeds. Kind of feeds. Apparently, he might or might not be the champion. It's irrelevant, really. But basically, it's been Randy Orton. The storyline going into the match that Randy Orton has been raging a war against the McMahons, and um, in doing this, he's terrorised the McMahon family. He's punted Shane and he's done a hangman ddt to stephanie and then kissed her whilst triple h is handcuffed to the ropes and going berserk and what i, I remember at the time watching this and thinking like the reaction from triple h at this time is all wrong he's just feel, full of anger towards randy orton yet no concern or compassion towards his wife who's basically just been assaulted and molested effectively by a man called randy of all things mm. but it does kind of lead you thinking like oh this match is gonna be this match is gonna be fucking intense it's gonna be full of full of like piss and vinegar and real intense and it's just not this match is not interesting or delivered at any pace whatsoever and i'm gonna give you a bit of context there so i watched most of this on friday night and then i got to the Shawn michaels match and i was like i'm feeling tired now i want to pay Shawn michaels i'm gonna take a match um, i want to be able to pay attention to this so i so i stopped it watched the rest of it yesterday up until the beginning of this match and i was like Randy Orton versus Triple H. I remember it not being good, very good at the time and leaving WrestleMania on a bit of a low because not thinking that the main event was very good. And it's also Triple H in a very long match, which we've seen lots of, and they're never any good. And it's Randy Orton, who I find to be one of the least interesting in-ring performers of all time. So I was really not looking forward to it. I got woken up this morning at four o'clock by my cat, who subsequently woke up my daughter and then woke me up. So he left a trail of absolute havoc behind him. My daughter went into bed with my wife. She went back to sleep. I went downstairs and tried to have a little doze on the sofa. And I was just awake at that point. I couldn't go to sleep. So I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's get this match out of the way. So I started watching it, immediately fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> because I looked at it, and two of the most boring wrestlers of all time, and then fucking Scott Armstrong's the referee <laughs> yeah. as well. And I'm sat there, I'm like, this is going to be so shit. And I think I was just like, oh, do you know what? I'd rather fall asleep than do this. So I ended up catching the rest of it later on. The match is so weird because it starts off with like an RKO and a pedigree, pretty much within like the first like 20, well, 20 seconds or whatever of the match, which basically means after they've both been hit with their finishers, they're effectively selling them for the rest of the match and are really slow. And it's just your proper boring Triple H thinking he can put on a really long, methodical, classic wrestling match, which he's not capable of at this time. And the bit that really, really just annoyed me was when he starts working over Randy Orton's neck. He's like, what do you do after your wife has been, again, attacked and molested by someone? You start working over a body part is what you do to get them into a submission. I just thought it was really crap. There's one bit in it that I was really impressed with. And as a slingshot that Triple H takes Randy Orton into the corner because he glides through the air like a gazelle. But there's a moment in it where Randy Orton is the one who is seemingly picking up the pace. And when that's the case, you know you're in fucking trouble. And I've recently been re-watching The Sopranos, and I can't remember what the circumstances, but there's a bit in it where Junior, uh, AJ, sorry, Anthony Junior, Tony Soprano's son, says, I'm so bored, I might cry. And that was how I felt watching this 25-minute bore fest. Really anticlimactic end to WrestleMania. And what I find really interesting is that at the end of the end of the setup, like when you see a couple of the replays and stuff, there's no footage really of Triple H celebrating in the ring. It just cuts straight to the video package showing everything that's happened, which makes me think there's been a little cheeky edit done at the end of there because everything seems so underwhelming at the end of that match. 
just to kind of give you a feel for what the 35 years of WrestleMania said about this match. Oh, lovely. Strangely, they're not necessarily sugaring this too badly. So, I mean, they, they do try and protect Triple H and Randy Orton, but they say here, despite the stunning performance by both superstars, the match fell a bit flat with the audience. Orton remembers, we followed Taker and Sean. When you're kicking out of Tombstone pile drivers, choke slams, and super kicks, that's pr- a pretty big deal. Me and Triple H had the best story going into Mania by far, but I think people had just seen one of the best matches ever prior to ours, and they were spent. They were just spent. I remember Hunter and myself being a little disappointed with how the reaction was, but we knew why Sean and Taker put on a hell of a match. So, quite strange, but the 35 years of WrestleMania do indeed acknowledge the fact that the crowd were not in this at all. But I, I would also counter that argument with Randy Orton, missing. there's also another match beforehand, which is nowhere near as dead. No, I it's, agree. And I, I agree with your perspective entirely. They almost undercut them right from the beginning because they've inserted a, a stipulation in this, which is that if Triple H gets disqualified or counted out, he loses his title. The, the, the fact of the matter is there should have been no disqualification. Obviously, it should have just been a proper blood and violent match. That was what it called for. They did have the best story going in. I said last time on the podcast, WrestleMania 24, that Orton's year between 24 and 25, in my opinion, was his best. He did some of the best heel work he ever did um, during that time. The stuff he did with Triple H was really cool. And then they did this match and it was just really, really farcical that they would decide to have this kind of a match for that story. It just didn't fit at all. So I just I just feel like they were undercut right from the beginning because of that extra stipulation. Now, Triple H could have easily, he had the power, he could have changed it. So he, he should have changed it. He should have said, no, we're just going to go out there and have you, you no know, disqualification, sledgehammers all over the place, tables, chairs. Well, we'll get out the bloody barbed wire if we have to. We're just going to, you know, properly go out this, you know, and that, that would have been absolutely right. But no, they just went for a straight wrestling match. Triple H continues his run of really quite dull main events at WrestleMania. I don't know if he's had a good one. Um, I was thinking that. Maybe we'll find out as we go through that there's one that we've forgotten about, but for the moment, I can't remember one that's good. I mean, it's not the main event, but I can remember when we did WrestleMania 17, I enjoyed the match with Undertaker, but again, sure. that's like third or fourth most important match on the card. But yeah, in terms of his main events, they've all been stinkers so far. Well, one-on-one, because I've the triple threat match at uh, WrestleMania 20 is excellent. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. I did forget but, about that one. Uh, but I'm giving all the credit to Sean <laughs> that one. Oh, man, what did you think? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Tinky. They cut the legs out from under them. So it's so strange because what I think is that they wanted to have the match that they had and they realised that what the crowd would be expecting was the blood and guts that you described, Tinky. So they inserted this stipulation right at the last minute because... Justin Roberts is announcing it as Randy Orton's music is playing. So I think that they just chucked it in there and they were like, right, we need to calm these expectations. You've got Shane and Vince just before the match in the corridor. They just see Triple H and they're like, there's nothing said. Shane McMahon looks like he wants to cry. Probably because he's run out of steroids or something, allegedly. And Vince is just staring at him. And I thought, you know what? They've done this pretty bloody well to this point. Because the story is tremendous. I can remember, because I was watching quite a bit at the time, the bit in the house is fucking awful. The bit oh, yeah. in... Oh, it's absolutely terrible. There's about four cameramen in this house. You also, the fact that you're supposed to believe that Randy Orton's this terrible bloke who's done all that, and then he's just, like, hanging out with his lovely wife. 
on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, come yeah. on, this is not this is not the image. No, family man Randy Orton. This does not seem yeah. like the actions of a family man. No, I mean, you made the point, Tommy, that you thought that the bit with Triple H where Orton kisses Stephanie and he's going mad. I thought that was a phenomenal visual because he's handcuffed to the ropes. He can't be sympathetic to his wife because he's handcuffed to the ropes. I thought it was really good. And I was like, I can remember it happening at the time and thinking like, that's fucking fire. That's really, really good. And then the match happens. And like you said, they hit the RKO. It was probably a minute or so in. And they must have just, when he hit the RKO and the crowd go, oh, but then there's nothing after. All I could think was like, can you imagine being those two guys and the referee? They're just like, oh, fuck. We're fucked here. Like, we're absolutely fucked. And the trouble is, is what happens is, so Orton hits this on the back of being pummeled in the corner as Triple H kicks him for probably a good 15, 20 seconds. And it's like, this is what you want. Like, this is what you want. But then Orton sells these kicks, to your point, Tommy. Like, they've been rested for half hour. And it's just like, where do you go from here? Like, it made no sense at the time when they had the finishers. I can remember me and you saying, when they exchanged finishers at the start, I think you said to me, Tommy, you were just like, well, I don't know what they do now. Like, they've kind of spaffed their load, which is probably the term you used as well. But the thing is, quite honestly... I didn't think this was awful. I didn't think it was awful. I think if this is three matches from the end, if this is in the spot that Triple H and uh, Triple H Undertaker, uh, Undertaker Shawn Michaels is in, I think I walk away from this and think, you know what? They told a decent old story there. That was all right, actually. All right, we're done. And then you're into the like main gear, but because it's the main event, it just feels like a bloody wet fart, doesn't it? It's so long. I'm I'm agreeing with old man in 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 that respect. I didn't think it was a bad match, but I do think that placed where it was on the card and following their story, and I think that's the more key thing for me is this yeah. story. They can't do that match after this story. This story is too yeah. personal. Talk about a blood feud. This is this is proper. Like they have gone all the way with this. They can't then just have a wrestling match at the end of no. it. it. Just it's where wrestling becomes silly if <laughs> you know because yeah. farcical you know I, i'm in agreement with you if, if this is a different story and if this is earlier in the show this is fine mm. it's fine it's not great but it's fine but given the story they've just had given it's the main event it's not what you need at that point i agree and it's just the, the other thing was that i did make me chuckle about the uh the video package for one there's a bit where like evolution uh, not evolution what are they called Random legacy. Legacy. legacy we're in the uh we're in the ring and uh that's what the music hits the shimmer man's music comes out and then vince's music comes on and Vince comes out and then Triple H comes out and they all walk to the ring together power trio to to sell our evolution and I'm like one of them's not a wrestler the other one's like a 60 year old man <laughs> do you know what I mean the other one's a guy with really dodgy quads like I think these these three young bucks should be able to take them I mean Vincent Mann is quite hench for a man his age but it's like two non-wrestlers and they sell it like it's fucking like it's the powers of pain coming out <laughs> see i reckon i got a soft spot for this feud because i love that i absolutely love that i can remember that happening on the roll before mania i thought it was absolutely brilliant because what it did is it set up this thing where i am in agreement with you it shouldn't really be the case but shane and vince were going to keep ted wrc and cody rhodes from getting involved that was what they were going to mm-hmm. do they were going to make it so there was one-on-one but there was none of that in the match no. like there should have been that in the match 
as well like if you're gonna do what they do you need to have something to you need to pop the crowd one of the things i really hate in wrestling is when they have a feud or a who is effectively willing to do anything you know he's, he's he's absolutely the lowest of the low and then decides that he's going to be fair in the match and it's going to be one-on-one and what does that that's for fucking ridiculous that's not that's completely out of character randy orton was willing to do anything so cody rhodes and ted dibiase should have been involved in this match in some mm. some way it should have been no disqualification vincent shane should have been involved it should have been an absolute you know overbooked but yeah fun you know proper brawl with blood and a lot and, and everything and the fact that they didn't do that it must be down to ego there's no other there's no other explanation mm. for it it's down to ego triple h Obviously, it was like, no, I want it to be a one-on-one match, and I, I'm going to have a great wrestling match, and that's and that's the way it's going to be. Interestingly enough, again, I'm going back to Randy Orton and his character. Uh, Randy Orton has a quote in the 35 Years of uh, WrestleMania book where he basically says that, it, that I RKO'd and DDT'd Stephanie and kissed her on the mouth. It was full of drama and suspense. I feel that was the best work I've ever done. I wish we could do more work like that. Now, I think last week we talked about PG uh, rating coming in towards the end of 2008. I always thought it was in 2009, and I wonder whether this was the last sort of non-PG thing they did. Maybe. But I I don't remember, but that that quote to me was Randy Orton saying, "Oh, we can't do it because we're PG now." Actually, I just looked. The PG era came in in 2008, July 2008. So they we were right last week. But it, if this felt like a little bit outside the realms of PG again, in some in certain certain respects, and maybe maybe that was another factor in this match not having blood. We were back in yeah. the PG era. Yeah. All that. Mm. There's a couple of things. What you'd said about the kind of the fact that there's no involvement from Legacy or or Vince and Shane in the match as well is telling because there's quite a few moments I noticed and I remember one very specifically being happening whilst we were whilst we were there is there's moments where it looks like the crowd are looking for someone coming down. Yeah. I don't know if you spotted that, Tinky. Um, but like mm. it looks like they think something's going to happen and it just doesn't. Yeah. It's yeah. A wet fart. Shouldn't WrestleMania yeah. shouldn't end on that much of a damp squib, especially if it's a face winning like i can yeah. i can understand wrestlemania ending on a bit of like a ugh, if it's a heel winning but if it's a baby face it should be more celebratory than it is well also you've got the way that triple h wins it's so healy i know that it's like him getting one up on them isn't it it's him being the smart one but shit it's just really it's, really, it's just really poorly done isn't it well just to air one more gripe about all this so and this has been something that I've felt for a very long time and it's definitely definitely me being nitpicky about it all no. but I always hated the fact that Triple H and Stephanie were just suddenly married on screen again, again. Mm-hmm. so obviously on screen we've seen them come together be married then break up and be divorced as a consequence of Triple H and Chris Jericho's Wrestlemania main event feud by the way so not like some yeah. shitty feud on raw that never got anywhere a wrestlemania main event feud by the way and they've never got back together it always rankled with me that they were just suddenly oh yeah by the way of course triple h and stephanie are married it's like no in the canon they are not married yeah and there's no need for them to pretend they were married again they could have just said look they're, they're, they've, they've reunited they're back sort of together they could have even had it on screen be like you know it's revealed that triple h and stephanie have kind of got back together and it's sort of seeing how things going and then randy orton comes along and does his stuff and that would have been fine that would have matched the stuff you know that had gone before i know it was many years before this you know i know it was seven years before this the, the sort of breakup on screen but it's still there like it shouldn't just be ignored because mm. it's part of your on-air canon it shouldn't just be swept under the carpet and go well we we know in real life they're married so we're just going to 
you know, we're just going to make that part of the, the on-screen narrative again. It feels a bit insidery, doesn't it? I think it just feels lazy. I just think wrestling is should should hold itself to a higher standard than this. It shouldn't be like, oh, we're wrestling, so we can get away with it. It should never say that. And I just find that cheapens the product and it takes for granted an audience who I think in general uh, allow themselves to be taken for granted too often. And I think that they're happy, they're almost like happy to be taken for granted sometimes. They, you know, they just accept, oh, it's wrestling, so that's how it's done. But it shouldn't be like that. There's no need for it. There's a perfectly easy way to get to this storyline and still maintain your previous stories and the integrity of those without, you know, without this. And I just, that, that, that annoyed me a lot. Anyway, let's get on to my talking point. And I'm actually struggling to decide what to talk about here now. I'm going to go with my MVP. Let's let's go with my MVP as my talking point. My MVP for the night is Ricky Steamboat. Um, obviously, Chris Jericho faced Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, and Jimmy Snuck in a three-on-one handicap match, a match that went for just nine minutes, but the bulk of which is Chris Jericho against Ricky Steamboat after Piper and Snooker have been eliminated. Jericho had to actually eliminate all three of his opponents. And thank God for Ricky Steamboat, otherwise this would have been a complete, oh, yeah. a complete washout. So obviously Jericho had originally hoped to have a match with Mickey Rourke following Mickey Rourke's starring appearance in The Wrestler. The 35 Years of WrestleMania book actually acknowledges that as well, that uh, the Mickey Rourke was the original plan and just for whatever reason they couldn't get it to work out. And uh, Jericho was saying that I was kind of stranded with nothing and then we came up with this idea to do a series of matches against the legends. And Ricky Steamboat was 56 years old during this match. He hadn't wrestled for 15 years. He looks a lot older than we'd previously seen him. And my goodness, he obviously just got in there and it was just like he actually says this it was like riding a bike he just immediately remembered how to do it all and just just did it it was just like it was like it was just built into him muscle memory or whatever from from many years before <laughs> and i remember legitimately like just absolutely popping massively for this in the in on the night yeah. like it was just a really big mm. deal the night after and more when he's involved i think in a 10-man tag match does a few more things maybe even does a dive off the top rope down to the floor i think onto a bunch of people during that one yeah. if, if memory serves me correctly and i actually got goosebumps watching it again here on 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 this this showing i just really was like oh this is great this is so good and what's great about it is not necessarily that steamboat's amazing he is really good for someone who's not been in the ring for 15 years and 56 years old but more just how much people are rooting for him as this yeah. match goes on that that's what really made my the goosebumps come I'm like look at this they've just they've turned a match that was looking like a, a bret hart versus vince mcmahon absolute terrible nonsense thing into something worthwhile because the fans actually care about it and so i just i really like that and, and it wouldn't have been possible without ricky steamboat so for me given the circumstances here given the fact that this was never meant to happen given the fact that ricky steamboat probably had like i don't know less than a month to prepare for this i think he deserves that mvp award but that's that's my he's he's my MVP tonight and that's my talking point. This is embarrassing to be honest. Like up until Steamboat comes in, and it's not their fault. Piper is clearly not in ring shape, and my understanding is is that he was having some personal troubles at this time. He hits one of the great drop kicks I've heard <laughs> that I've ever seen. Like it's like fair facts to him. I mean, he's not as old as he looks. I can't remember how old he is at the time, but he works hard. Snooker, again, tries his best, but it's just an old man, isn't he? It's an old man who committed murder. Like He's just not able to move very quickly at all. And then, like you said, when Steamboat comes in, the crowd see it immediately. They're like, oh, hello, because he hits one of those deep arm drags. And then, like, the crowd, and obviously we were there, like, holy fuck, this guy can go. Like, and, quite honestly, I 
thought this when I was watching it. So I would have seen, when we went to this, I would have seen a handful of his things. That would have been it, like when he was the Dragon in WWE, like very small amount. There are probably people in there who had no idea who he was. Like absolutely no idea. And then he's just pulling all the stops out. I do think that, and I know the much maligned Chris Jericho in particular in the first year of the pod, he works his fucking socks off here, works his absolute socks off. And he is selling some ghastly offense from Snooker and Piper. Snooker in particular, like is trying to work over his belly with fast punches. And it's, it's just an old man trying to do fast punches. But for what was an absolute joke, became incredibly enjoyable. And it does now stay its welcome. And then you've got all the stuff after that I absolutely loved. Really caught off guard by it. Jericho getting on the mic when Flair comes in. Then Flair, then he, he beats up on Flair a bit. And then Mickey Rourke, what a pro, just milks the moment perfectly, I think, because the crowd want it. And they're like, get in there and whack him in the head. And he does. And then everyone's happy. And it was great. So much better than I remember it being. Just before you come in, Tom, the just to give you the context, Roddy Piper's 55. Jimmy Snooker was 65. Was he? Oh, excellent. The first, first of all, so I'm glad you mentioned Jericho because that's why Chris Jericho is my MVP of the night because oh. I think I think he's brilliant in this match. Not only does he sell the offense, but he gets so much heat on himself toward, mm. at the end as well when he, with the Ric Flair beatdown. He is absolutely he's absolutely brilliant. He, this job he does is selling for these old farts is absolutely unreal. The beginning of the match, obviously Mickey Rourke is sat at ringside and he does not look very happy to be there. <laughs> I don't know if it's nerves or if that's just his face. But he just does not look very happy to be there. Most of the stuff that you've said is there, but obviously Jimmy Snooker has taken, you know, a moment uh, from his career as a as a murderer and a Diana Ross impersonator to moonlight <laughs> in this wrestling match. I mean, again, I've got I've got a bit of a good gut. I've got a good gut myself. But Piper's gut is tremendous. <laughs> it's absolutely what if he's put a fucking he's put a lot of points down his throat to get that, and I got a lot of time for that. So well done to Piper. <laughs> it's got to be said, Tinky. You know, everyone knows my thoughts at this stage in Ricky Steamboat <laughs> but he is great in this match he is absolutely great and his deep arm drags in particular are just are a thing of beauty it's all he's got but it there but it's a bloody good thing to have and it is great the the bit that I love is when Jericho's got Snooker in the uh, walls of Jericho and uh-huh. <laughs> Jimmy Snooker's tap is more like someone just delicately brushing their fingers through some wizened old woman's hair is basically <laughs> how he does it but it's quite funny and I've written I wrote the crowd were hot for this we were hot for this <laughs> because I can remember at the end of that being like that was phenomenal that was fucking amazing that was Ricky Steamboat the fucking 90 year old Ricky Steamboat doing that <laughs> he comes off the top rope with a chop straight away hits his arm drags does a does like a suicide dive doesn't he over the one mm. he like does a slingshot over mm. the top rope it's just fair fuck to the boring prick yeah <laughs> well, they they actually have a match in the next pay-per-view don't they yeah yeah Tinky Man's yeah. it's a 10 man tag no 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 that no. was on Raw they, the next that, night. that, that that's Raw the next night. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Jer- Jericho and Steamboat have a match at the next pay-per-view, which I've never watched. 
And I don't want to because I don't want it to take the memory of this. <laughs> well, we, we who knows what we'll do post the WrestleMania series. Well, ain't that maybe, the that'll, truth. maybe that'll be on the agenda. I also did want to give a shout out to Ric Flair because more for his work on the outside of the ring mm. when Steamboat's facing Jericho and they're the last two in it. Ric Flair is selling it like he really, really desperately wants Steamboat to win. I just thought yeah. it was magnificent the way he was absolutely selling the drama of what mm. we were seeing. Really built into the idea that, you know, this is something just dramatic you know all we want yeah. to see this this old guy who looks old as well like it's not like edge who's what five years younger than now Steamboat was back then who doesn't look anywhere near like ricky steamer ricky steamer looks like a guy who has been retired for 15 years and has decided i'm gonna let myself go now i'm gonna let myself have the hamburger <laughs> that yeah. i wouldn't allow myself so 15 he's, years he's ago. gonna he's gonna have the hamburger but he's gonna have the bun which he wouldn't before. He wants it lean, cut the yeah, carbs yeah. out. And then the other thing I wanted to shout out to was the sign in the crowd, which was put that cigarette out, which I uh, <laughs> noticed during this match. So that was a good sign, whoever whoever came up with that. So yeah, that was that went away. Anyway, Jimmy um, Jimmy Stucker, Ricky Steamboat, MVP. Surprisingly, as I say, that just the just the investment, the emotional investment in the match towards the end from everyone in the crowd and myself just watching now however many years later thought it was uh yeah just really excellent this one okay so that's talking points let's go back to the start of the show we start with a video intro where each of the wwe superstars talk about their greatest wrestlemania moment ever and then we get the first allusion to this being the 25th anniversary of wrestlemania which as i said is is not not correct it's the 24th anniversary but it's the 25th edition of wrestlemania that's just not how math work i'm afraid wwe no so i remember that you, you mean that's a good 14 years that's been a bee in your bonnet and they're tinky and i and i admire that but the the it's all these wrestlers all these superstars talk about how big wrestlemania is and how important it is only one person one person has the fucking decency to mention bret hart versus owen hart and that's good old spunky punky himself and he fair play to him i i think he's a bit of a bellend but he earned a little bit of respect for me then 14 well, years ago when he said that for him and ftr are the chief bret hart yeah i know and i find it i find it annoying because i was i was there first but anyway we're not going to talk about it so i found this video very confusing i don't know who cares who cares what some wrestlers think there's no sell to the show at all but then you get jericho who sat everyone else is like oh this match this match jericho just goes every wrestlemania moment i've been in and that's <laughs> it that's his bit for the thing so it's a completely deadpan and i was like go on jericho and I checked myself and I flogged myself for three minutes and said four Hail Marys because I praised Chris Jericho twice through this show. But yeah, shit, shit opening. In fairness to Jericho, this is definitely for me one of his strongest you know, mm. periods Be- because he's showing, you know, I, I've, I've I mentioned this many months ago when I was talking about why Seth Rollins is my figure of hate for this year. The fact that Jericho is now, he did an amazing work. He did amazing work switching from Y2J to this character. But now he seems to change character every year and it's just silly. This was great because he had been Y2J for like a decade or something and it was tired. It wasn't going to make him a main event guy. He needed to do something different and artistically probably felt like he, from just a motivational perspective, needed to do something different. And this was it. And it was great. Stripped it all back and got rid of all the stuff that made him a babyface before. Really took it seriously to become a heel. Even down to this opening video where everyone's talking about their greatest WrestleMania moment he's able to work that in mm. it's just great work it really is you know and i'm you know everyone knows i'm not an apologist for jericho but but i do think this is a great period of jericho's career 
Yeah, I think this is best Jericho. I think like consistently, because he has that. I know he he loves to talk about it, but the program he has with Michaels. Well, interesting enough, the other thing I forgot to mention during WrestleMania 24 reviews, I said Rand Norton's best year is between 24 and 25. I think Shawn Michaels' best year is between 24 and 25 as well, because obviously at 24 he has the match with Ric Flair. Then he has the mm. feud with Batista over the fact that he retired Ric Flair. Then he has the feud with Jericho straight after that. And they have their sort mm. of six months in a feud. Then he does the bit with JBL, which wasn't great, but, you know, was di- a little bit different again. And then he had the Undertaker match here. And I think this is his best every year for Shawn Sh- yeah. Michaels. And it was that feud with Jericho that, that made me think that. Excellent work. I do like when, uh, I think I mentioned this in the pod before. So I think it's no way out. Or might be no mercy. They have the ladder match, which is like the blow off to their feud. And um, <laughs> I know what he's going to say. <laughs> It's the start of all, and uh, Michaels is like, right, I'm going to face you, Chris Jericho, in a sets up a ladder, climbs to the top of the ladder, in a ladder match. And I was <laughs> like, oh, mate, so awkward. And Jericho's like, what? <laughs> It'd have been amazing if he said something else. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a last man standing match. In a, in a Judy yeah. Bagwell on a pole match. <laughs> it's a Judy Bagwell on a forklift. Oh yeah, sorry. So then Howard Finkel introduces Nicole Scherzinger to sing America the Beautiful. This was solid. Solid, yeah. yeah. The thing that I took for it mostly though was the incredibly intense military guy standing yeah. in the front row, <laughs> who wasn't saluting when the camera first hit him, and then he saw the ca- the camera and then then saluted and then stayed saluting for the next two yeah. minutes while Scherzinger sang her song. That so was a bit strange. I, re- I read that what had happened is he'd actually had some sweet popcorn. And he had a bit of the stuff on his hand, and when he saluted, got his hand stuck to his head, <laughs> and he and he and he and he couldn't get it off. He was there the whole show like that. It's <laughs> feasible. I, I think I would think I wanted to go before old Nicole Slazenger comes in. When we saw the arena, for the, like when you're when you when you see after the video package, that was one that was my goosebumps moment. Thinking one of two goosebumps moments. I was like, oh yeah, here we go. I remember watching this. This was lovely being there. I remember just being like, fucking hell, we're at WrestleMania. Yeah. Fucking WrestleMania, you cunts! I yelled at everyone around me. <laughs> Parents, and children weeping. I was like, you cunt. <laughs> It's WrestleMania. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> and uh, you're right. It's it's fine. It's absolutely fine. I, the thing that always strikes me about this is um, look around and they're like, everyone's standing up with their hands on their chest and they're like, please take off your baseball caps. Yeah. And I was like, why? <laughs> why? Is that a sign of disrespect to keep your hat on while someone sings a song that's not your national anthem? But okay, fine. Well, I mean, it's, was I wearing it's a baseball like, cap or man? I can't remember. Right. No, you. Uh, I can't remember. Were you wearing your? Oh no, you wore your WrestleMania polo shirt to 26, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I don't know why. Yeah. Very um, strange sartorial choice. I don't wear polo yeah. shirts. I'd imagine you were wearing a baseball cap. A big sure respectful lad, you would have taken off, but you would have resented doing it. Oh, big time, big time. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you one thing I did forget. So obviously this was on a Sunday, and we had real trouble finding anywhere to eat, didn't we? And we went to that barbecue place that looked like basically a, like a canteen. Oh, yeah. You guys remember? Yeah. That oh, was fucking amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. You had to queue like you were in Ikea or school. Oh, <laughs> delicious. Ikea and school often mistaken for one another. Yeah. Yeah, because well, markers was yeah. closed, wasn't it? I seem to remember. Yeah, it was indeed. Well, well it's, it's God's day, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody God. I remember we had right. a subway after, though. <laughs> yeah, we so, did, yeah. That's right, because we walked past the uh, supermarket that was there, and there was a security guy in Ford. each went, you seen that over there? And the guy had a gun the size of his thigh, just strapped to his thigh, just a normal security guard. 
we anyway, Tommy, can you come up with some hours so we can stop thinking moving on? So we come, we go straight from that to the first match of the night. It's the Money in the Bank ladder match, which goes for 14 and a half minutes and ends when Punk wins after kicking Kane off of the ladder and then grabbing the briefcase, where there are some boos for his victory. I remember mm. that at the time when we were there, there was definitely a mixed reaction for his victory, although Fordy, who obviously I was with, fancied CM Punk at the time, so he was a yeah. uh, big, big fan of the victory. Obviously, this, this involved Christian Finley, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Mark Henry, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, of course, winner CM Punk. Tom, what did you think of this one? For a start, I've got to give a shout out to the, again, near close contender for MVP was the briefcase, because mm-hmm. I was thinking about it compared to the awful Money in the Bank briefcase, briefcase they have now, the green and yellow monstrosities. They have this one, black suit, black briefcase, with a little WrestleMania 25 logo on it. I'm mm-hmm. having that. That's absolutely fine. Michael Cole, at that point, refers to the event as the silver anniversary of WrestleMania yeah. <laughs> which, I, which I thought was much better it's still wrong but it's better than, than calling it the 25th anniversary it's um, not so explicitly wrong no mm. no exactly they could have called it the silver WrestleMania that would have been better MVP when he comes down doesn't have his inflatable entrance which is very no. disappointing I was quite good by that and, and he also runs like he's got a shit in his pants yeah, well, he may have done. Who knows? Right, well, yeah, it's fair. He's another classic guy who likes to have a shit before he comes out. That's how he gets through the matches. Well, I believe <laughs> his full name is Vontel Vontavius Porter Potty. So that might be that might be <laughs> part of the problem. And there's also, I remember at this point, being there at the time, was uh, the time I was watching uh, Kane's Titantron video and saying to old man, this is a bit scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never realised how scary as Titantron is. It's just weird, weird close-ups of Kane's face all distorted and stuff. Very eerie stuff. Yeah, I'm not having that. Mark Henry... Uh, is in the match as you said Tinky accompanied by Tony Atlas there was a man behind us he had two signs which were amazing one of which was a a sign of Santino Morella done in the same way a same style as the iconic Barack Obama Believe poster which I can remember enjoying and another one which uh, Tony Atlas who unfortunately doesn't on this show but quite often accompanied Mark Mark, no he doesn't he's got sleeves mate No, no he takes the jacket off Oh, does he? Lovely stuff. So he's yeah, got, he yeah, yeah. wore a shirt, he used to usually wear like a suit uh, with no sleeves. And it said, Tony Atlas, smart casual. And that was a <laughs> wonderful sign, which I loved. This is fine, this match. This We're starting to get to the stage, I think you covered it last week, Tinky, where you're, it's the law of diminishing returns now on these, these Money in the Back matches. We're starting to get the really contrived spots where like MVP clearly sets up a ladder for someone else to use later, in, later on in the match, and it's just not very good. But there's a bit at the beginning of the match where all of the wrestlers do some kind of suicide dive over the top rope, and then it comes to Mark Henry's turn, and he starts climbing up, climbing up the rope as if he's going to take a little jump off the top to buckle to the outside and I remember at the time being like fucking hell this is going to be amazing and it obviously yeah. was never going to happen but it's an incredible moment where you, everyone yeah. just suspends their disbelief there's a really really crap sunset flip botch between Shelton Benjamin and MVP mm. where I think um MVP and Shelton are climbing up the ladder and Shelton Benjamin kind of goes over the top of the ladder to do a botch on MVP and it just fucks up and looks rubbish. But you're right about... I I don't know. So Shelton Benjamin runs up a ladder that's on the outside, runs across another ladder to then leap over another ladder and it's only that bit that fails. It would have been like extraordinary if he'd done it. Yeah, if my auntie had bollocks, she'd be my uncle. (laughs) You haven't got an auntie. Well, no, exactly. And if I had one 
even more so. But um, I just, but obviously that's the most, that's the most important bit, isn't it? Or else, you know, what's the point in doing that if you're not going to do it properly? And I think it's probably MVP's botch more so than the Sean's, but still. But you're right, Tinky. The, the, there are audible boos for Punk winning, and Christian was so, so, so over in this match and it's kind of almost a shame that he didn't win really but I don't care that much but um, this match was fine b- b- like I said beginning of the contrived ladder spot era not great it probably holds up a little bit better than any ladder match you'll see from 2023 I thought this was absolutely fine I thought this was exactly what at this stage and like Tommy said you guys expertly touched on this in your WrestleMania 24 episode I know that doesn't open it but it's the second match in but this is a vehicle to get the crowd up effectively that's what this is it's to get the party off with a bang finley comes down in an extraordinary jacket that's all i needed comes down (laughs) an incredible jacket and hornswoggle's got one as well there is just before this as they come in from the video after uh the pyro goes off so after nicole scherzinger saying i thought it interesting that jr does the open but he's not the lead commentator on the show so i was like when he did the open i was like i thought this was cole's show but yeah, I thought it was quite nice. Oh, JR, the sound of WrestleMania. But anyway, I've gone back in time there. <laughs> That's what they call it, the sound of WrestleMania. <laughs> Not the voice, the sound. He's just like making all kinds of noises. He's, he's fucking doing armpit farts. He's burping. He's blowing his nose. Like, oh, the sounds of WrestleMania from Jim Ross. What an orator he is. Incredible noisemaker. Lad. What? <laughs> Or perhaps that's his album, The Sounds of WrestleMania. And it's him shitting his pants because he's been sat there for four hours. His adult nappies. Uh, Yeah, anyway, that's enough about that, isn't it? The thought of JR just going, oh my God, I'll just shim my pants. (laughs) And King just going, oh my God, oh my God. No, that's when he goes into quiet voice at that point. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Cole, Cole, he's, he's shit himself again." Cole, I don't know what to do with this. And Dare just, Dare just like, "Rah!" Background. Tell you what, right? You went a barbecue sauce that fucking cut must have been bizarre. I can't imagine what the state of Jr's pants must be like. It must be absolutely horrendous. Do you reckon he just buys brown and he's just like, oh, take me chances. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might shit myself. No one will notice. Do you reckon that's why he, that's why he carries a hat around everywhere? It's just in case he needs a quick shit. He just pops that hat off. <laughs> curls one out into his fucking 20-gallon hat. <laughs> and then puts it back on. <laughs> yeah. He said, man, he drops 20-gallon loads. So he needs a big hat. <sighs> Anyway, back to the match. What's <laughs> 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 that noise? I've never heard that before. I didn't know. <laughs> that is one of the sounds of WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> back to the match. So uh, you've got in the like run of people that do stuff off the top rope to the outside. Uh, Shelton Benjamin does one off a ladder. He just basically leaps onto everyone, but he just goes directly through them. So basically barely gets stopped, almost kills himself, but he's all right. Uh, and then Hornswoggle does what Michael Cole terms a tadspole plash. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. 
Oh my god, it's all gone. I've gone to pieces. A tadpole splash is what it's actually called. And then you get like like you said, like all of the stuff like Kofi runs up the ladder, which Mark Henry is holding up for some reason. And then he goes up towards the thing. Looks really cool. And then he's caught by Mark Henry who does a slam, which I thought was lovely. There's an unprettier from Christian to punk off of a ladder that looks absolute shit. It does. Yeah. After the failed sunset flip into the power bomb, <laughs> Show and Benjamin just power bombs MVP over the top rope onto Tony Atlas. <laughs> just basically launches him and Mark Henry's there as well, thankfully. But yeah, he does that. That's when I noticed that Tony Atlas didn't have any sleeves. Yeah. So I thought I thought of the same thing. I was like, smart casual there. The Christian pop when it looks like he's gonna win is absolutely enormous and then he doesn't and it's all a bit flat and I can remember it being flat at the time and then I thought to myself I was like what was Christian up to the next year Christian was in the pre-show I believe in a tag match with our yeah overall fine I think this was pretty standard. There was one thing that did make it stand out a little bit for me, which was the opening four, sort of four or five minutes where there was, it was quite chaotic and that mm. it felt like everyone was chasing around. There was one bit where they all tried to get up the ladder all at once very early on. And I really liked that. I thought that was, that was different. It just made it feel a little bit rough and a little bit like, you know, everyone's just kind of skirmishing desperate to try and get the, the briefcase as quick as possible. Then it settled into the typical money yeah. in the bank ladder match mm-hmm. and that was fine you know as as i said I, you know i'm not particularly a fan of people taking big risks for so little payoff and for so little yeah. by the end of the show would have definitely forgotten this stuff but it was fine and you, you say punk's win was a little bit flat and definitely there were some boos uh, you know in the arena and there was definitely evident on the video too and obviously precipitated his um his heel turn later in the year which made a lot of sense and his feud with Jeff Hardy, which was was pretty cool. I mean, this was a far in terms of what he got out of this Money in the Bank ladder match. Given the the difference in reactions, this was the far more effective one because obviously yeah. he would actually have a memorable run with the title this time around. Whereas obviously in the original, after the original one, it was pretty forgetful. So forgetful, forgettable, I should say. Yeah. So um, yeah, interesting one this because the, the the dynamic was odd and it was quite flat. Mm. But ultimately, they they obviously you know it's one of those things, isn't it, where you kind of think to yourself, oh, this is not. Vince's type of wrestler, CM Punk. You yeah, know, he's not going to like CM Punk, but they obviously Vince obviously liked him in some way because he gave him two Money in the Bank victories on the trot. He obviously yeah. thought something of him. He obviously mm. was there was obviously some upside that Vince saw. So it's interesting that 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 kind of thought that maybe actually did have quite a lot of did did see quite a lot of upside in CM Punk. I wonder if yeah. he liked him because his name's Phil and it's like a no mm. nonsense name. Go on, Phil, get at the ladder. I think like you hear looking these... like Dick. <laughs> You hear these stories of Vince, and obviously he's not backwards and coming forwards, CM Punk. Mm. And I can remember hearing uh, an interview with him when he was putting the program with The Rock at uh, the Rumble. And basically he had loads of people around him, The Rock, who were trying to dictate what was going to happen in the match. And apparently he just went up to his hotel room. So all these people are there, and Punk just stood in the middle and just said, Dwayne, how are we doing this? Are we going to talk about it? Or are you going to dictate to me what's going to happen? And then they just had a conversation. And I remember The Rock saying, he was like, just really respected the fact that he had the balls to basically come up to him and do it. And that kind of counts for a lot. But then it also works against you, doesn't it? Because, doesn't it? because if you're a loose cannon, then eventually that is going to 
become an issue, which it did. I, I mean, he obviously did something that Vince liked, obviously, yeah. because he said he would not have given him a second one. No. Based especially on the way the first one went, if he didn't, if he didn't think something of him, so it's mm. interesting. I did hear rumblings. I can't remember if it's this one or the first one. It's meant to be Kennedy again, but it was not Kennedy because Kennedy is awful. <laughs> I loved your evisceration of him thinking it was lovely. <laughs> it was a great. I was basically, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I was basically walking down the street, clapping, whooping and hollering. <laughs> it's good to know that I can uh, inspire that kind of emotion uh, just through this podcast. Go back to Mr. Kennedy. You guys, you were talking about how much you hated his music. And, uh, I, I couldn't go- remember his music. Yeah. No. He goes, I turn up the music because it gets real loud. I like it so much better that way. <laughs> That's how it goes. And it's shit. I don't know why I know the lyrics, but it's just embedded in my fucking head. So wow. his character is loud music. He likes listening to loud music, yeah. It's not the sounds of WrestleMania by JR, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I wonder if he had, they could have done a great gimmick where he could have been like uh, a wrestler with like tinnitus. That would have been amazing. He's I like that. Like, it's like ringing in his ears all the time. It's good. I like it. That's why, he, and that's why he said his name twice all the time, because <laughs> he was worried that people couldn't hear him. Well, I tell you what, we will take a break there. Now we've covered the Money in the Bank ladder match, and we'll come back after the break and cover all the rest of the WrestleMania. We haven't yet spoken about Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, so we've got that to look no. forward to. So uh, yeah, catch us on the other side of this. I am the best in the world at what I do, and I did just what I said. I erased and eliminated the legend Hall of Fame washouts forever. And now, there's one more piece of business to the man who started all this. I'm talking to you, Mickey Rourke. This started when you challenged me, then you backed down. You play a tough guy in the movies, I'm a tough guy in real life so i'm telling you right now you can't back down tonight i want you to come in this ring and apologize to me for what you said right now what are you Rourke? a liar and a hypocrite just like every other person in this arena huh jericho knows that's not why Rourke's here get in this ring right now or I will jump this rail and slap you in your face. Do you hear me? That may not be a good idea. What are you, a coward? I'm talking right to you, Rourke. Are you a coward? Huh? Get in this ring right now. Right now. Come on, Rourke. Okay, welcome back. So we've got, I think, four matches to cover. We've covered four. We've got four more matches to cover. This is the strange bit for the, for me on this show. So 
obviously you were there i do not remember the order that this came in so i obviously no. remember the kid rock concert no i didn't realize it was the second thing on the show straight mm. after the money in the bank ladder match i didn't realize what came after that which is the 25 divas battle royal i thought all this was later in the show i just thought it was mm. way way later now there is one pre-show match which is carlito and primo against john morrison and the miz which i was quite disappointed was not on yeah. the main show at the time i seem to remember but it just feels weird that this was so early but anyway yes we get the kid rock um, concert up next lillian garcia introduces him he then performs and i did genuinely fall asleep during this we're 30 minutes into the show and i've fallen asleep already then towards the end of this the divas emerge from the back and make their way to the ring for the for the next match so yes this is where kid rock's concert falls so, so i've got an absurd amount of notes for this so i'll <laughs> wonder if, first of all just before this you get a video for access Ugh. someone says never mind this is on wrestlemania this is the best thing i've ever been to in my life <laughs> So we've got, here we go then, Kid Rock, one odd thing. It's also a bit embarrassing, the complete lack of engagement by the crowd. The Sweet Home Alabama song at least gets a small pop, but it's no coincidence. And it continues. <laughs> Sorry, that, that needs a bit of, I can't get, I can't get on. On Saturday night, me and old man and another friend called Matt went to watch a status quo tribute act called Quo Incidents at the Fleece in Bristol. Fucking hell. <laughs> status quo, status quo would be bad enough, but a status quo tribute act, fucking hell, guys. Yeah. And I've got, then it continues as the divas come out. I don't recognise some of the divas. This is such an afterthought. May Young isn't introduced. The match starts before the announcer starts the match intro. Well, the good thing as well, the, the thing that it goes to show what the the status of women's wrestling is at the time. I mean, there's like a returning Sonny there. Mm-hmm. Like Sonny hadn't been around for a long time, as far as I can tell, but there's no chance, you know, for any kind of return or anything like that. It's just really crap. And like, like you said, Tiki, I thought this was much later in the show. I can remember going for a piss and a beer at this, at this point. And you no, maybe you did old man. Maybe I sat through it and you hit heroically ventured off to get some beers. The thing that was good about it is I quite like the fact that every oh. time Kid Rock jumps, he has to hold his hat. <laughs> he just holds his little hat. <laughs> he not want it to fall off. That was the one bit that engaged me in this. Uh, otherwise, it was absolutely crap. Well, let's go straight into there after the 25 Diva Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal. The participants of which are Alicia Fox, Beth Phoenix, Brie Bella, Eve Torres, Gail Kim, Gillian Hall, Joy Giovanni, Katie Lee Birchall, Kelly Kelly, Layla, Maria, Maurice, Melina, Michelle McCall, Vicky James, Miss Jackie, Molly Holly. How many M's do they want? Natalia, Nikki Bella, Rosa Mendes, Sunny, Tiffany, Tori Wilson and Victoria, as well as eventual winner Santina Marella. I think that's the bit that really takes the biscuit here is that mm-hmm. the Divas division or the women's division is in such bad shape that their one match at WrestleMania is a really poor WrestleMania, which involves uh, a really poor battle royal, which involves a number of non-wrestlers and is then won by a man. But also the worst, the most egregious thing about the Kid Rock of it all is that we don't get entrances for the wrestlers, for the female wrestlers, which means we don't get to hear, you're not enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not enough for me. Which I was just, and I was like, hope she wins. It doesn't. It's some fucking bloke who wins it. I mean, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. It's terrible anyway. Like, the in-ring work is absolutely ghastly. Only Victoria and Beth Phoenix seem to be capable of actually doing anything. 
Beth Phoenix is character, but also I think genuinely probably extraordinarily pissed off that they are the, well, them and someone else, uh, Beth and someone else are eliminated last, just as Beth Phoenix is about to eliminate some others. But you have JR say in one of his WrestleMania sounds, he says that that diva looks like they were in the German Olympic team, uh, the female German Olympic athletic team in the 60s. I'm like, fucking hell, mate. And then I'm like, then it's over. And I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. Mae Young gets up, puts a sash on. And I realize that Justin Roberts has got a microphone. And I can remember that as soon as it was started happening, I can remember this. There is about two or three minutes of absolute shit that took all the wind out of my sails completely. And I was like, fuck me, this is awful. I hated it at the time. I despised it now. Oh. Shit, fuck off, Santino. Well, what's what's interesting about this as well is it's definitely in the PG era because Santino Morella doesn't actually fight anyone during the whole no, of the yeah. Battle Royal. It just mm. walks around. And then at the end, it's Beth Phoenix and Melina who are kind of teetering on the brink of elimination. He just sort of nudges them over and that's how he wins mm. the Battle Royal. So they they have really... They, they've also had to not only do all they, what they've done, but they've had to do it without him landing any offence whatsoever yeah. because if they did, it would presumably not live up to their PG uh, credentials. I've got to give credit to Santino Morella because he's, he's in. Again, he's mm. all in. Regardless as to how bad something is, I've always got time for it. It's the boogeyman all, all over again, thinking <laughs> like it could be the shittest and the stupid thing in the world. But if the performer really goes for it, then I'm always going to have a little bit more time for it than I would otherwise. A close option for my MVP was going to be Mel, Mel, fucking hell, Mel Young. It was going to be Mae Young because the absolute wrapping of the ring bell that she does at the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> She banks it about 15 times. It's tremendous. She's like, I'm fucking loving this. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Nearly her, but not quite. So shout out to me, young, you mad old bitch. Hey. <laughs> so then we got all the Chris Jericho stuff with the legends comes after this. So, and then there's the promo video for the Hardy boys match and their match. So after that, we get Randy Orton backstage preparing for his match later with Ted DiBiase Jr. And Cody Rhodes backstage. Can you confirm something here, Tinky? Old man was wondering this earlier off mic. Is Ted DiBiase just wearing a t-shirt and pants backstage or has he got trousers on? I, I don't know, but I, I can well imagine that he was just wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, and that's exactly what Tom said when I asked him. Randy think, Orton was known for that as well. A lot, wasn't he? Just being in the ring, just with his ring gear and a t-shirt on. Well, I think that's, this seemed to be one of the things that WWE felt they needed to do again as part of the PG era was everybody had to be back in their wrestling gear the entire time. Like Whenever you saw them, they, they couldn't be in real clothes. That would just wouldn't that just wouldn't be right. The next match sees JBL come to the ring and he says that it's the greatest day in his life he says he has a dream that he would return to texas as champion at a time when texas doesn't have champions or men he says that he is the texans hero and he talks something about all the men are drinking lattes and doing pilates and they're not men anymore or something like that uh, this is in build up to his match with Rey mysterio for his intercontinental title Rey mysterio comes out dressed as the joker there is a pretty much going to go through all my notes for this match because it's not very long there is a sign in the crowd from the contingent of fans who earlier on I saw carrying a flag, an England flag with the word Burnley on it. And the sign <laughs> yeah. which says Owen Coyle is God, clearly at a time yeah. when Burnley had been 
recently promoted to the Premier League with Owen Coyle as their manager. JBL then kicks Mysterio before the bell. Mysterio recovers, hits an Integuria 619 in a splash and gets the win. 21 seconds long, according to Jerry Lawler. And afterwards, JBL gets on the microphone and says that he quits. The fans wave goodbye. Oh, man. I thought this was fucking great. What an excellent way to use JBL. He comes out. He's an utter cunt. He boots Rey Mysterio before the and then he gets his comeuppance. And then he quits. Perfect. I, was, I, I thought if you're going to do something like this, remember, we we're talking about this after it happens. Like if you're going to retire and you're JBL and apparently the reason he retired was because his back was in absolute pieces. Get in, get out. Lovely old job. You put someone over. Just easy, isn't it? The bad obviously comes after because we get JBL the commentator. But I thought this was really great. I thought JBL's promo on the way down to the ring was so obnoxious that it was just (laughs) brilliantly done. And yeah, good shit. I don't disagree in the sense that JBL, if he's going to be on the show, I'd rather him be in a 21-second match than a 21-minute one, that's for certain. And yeah, I I I did think actually he, he kind of, threw himself into this you know i'm just gonna make everyone yeah. hate me and then i'm gonna lose and then i'm gonna quit so yeah I don't, have, I don't have any problem with it at all it's fine it did what it did it's okay i seem to remember though that this was another thing that had been potentially going to be different at this wrestlemania so obviously jbl and Shawn michaels started their feud at survivor series mm-hmm. i think Shawn michaels working for jbl and i have a feeling that this was originally supposed to go right through to wrestlemania and they were supposed to face each other thank goodness they didn't because that would have been mm-hmm. that would have deprived of us deprived us of the rest of the Shawn Michaels Undertaker match but he he obviously obviously had a plan for him to retire at this show and he must have felt like this was quite the come down from what was originally slated for him mm. a 21 second loss to Rey Mysterio maybe they were going to have him lose in 21 seconds to Shawn Michaels who knows I very seriously doubt it though they wouldn't have used yeah. Shawn Michaels on a match like that so to give him his credit if they've gone if that's genuinely what's happened and he's gone from a potentially one of the best matches of the night, great way to have a send-off match with Shawn Michaels to having a 21-second loss to, G- to Rey Mysterio, to still put in the work that he did and really give it give his all to this heel promo beforehand and then and really get the heat on him. Credit to him, I guess. I also wonder if there's an element of, like, do you want to have Shawn Michaels retire someone again in the following year? Does he want to become the Palenta? The fucking... <laughs> The, the Palencia. Yeah, does he want to become the pension giver kid? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he wants to deal with that. So, I don't know. This is fine. Like you said, it's fine. But it does feel a bit weird. I wonder what Rey Mysterio made of it all as well. Being like, I was hoping to have a match against someone else, and I'm chucked in here with that fucking cunt JBL. <laughs> you know, I guess at least at least it's short, because we no one wants to see a JBL match. So... And Rey Mysterio probably knows that as well. So, yeah, I'm fine with that. Also, quite honestly, I thought this at the end of the show. Where does even a five-minute match fit? Because they're obviously keeping it under four hours. Because of that fucking wretched Chris Rock concert. Chris Rock? For, I think. Yeah, that's he it. Went to set, did he went set, stand-up. <laughs> you know what? I would have preferred Chris Rock singing the songs of Kid Rock with JR <laughs> doing his WrestleMania sounds as the backing music. <laughs> but yeah um <laughs> yeah because of god that was loud because of the uh kid rock almost in it again the kid rock concert it's just no space for anything else is there mm. they're saying they could have shaved the five minutes off of the main event no they couldn't that was triple h <laughs> Carl Edwards, don't know who he is, NASCAR yes! driver apparently, shown in the crowd next to, and then um, JR says that this is perhaps the most anticipated main event in recent history. 
and he's talking about Antigua as HBK. This isn't the main event, JR. I don't know what you're talking about. We then get the hype video with Shawn Michaels cutting a promo and calling out The Undertaker. The Undertaker saying, sometimes it is hell trying to get to heaven. Recap of Taker wins at WrestleMania from the past. Michael says he respects Taker, but he's not scared of him. HBK all dressed in white, preaching about light and dark. Excellent. I thought so. I thought this was very good. Yeah. I wonder if uh, apparently part of the reason why they decided to go ahead with this match is based on I think I remember this a year before this when the the last entrance in the Rumble, the last two in the Rumble, Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker, and they have an absolute barnstorming like five minutes in the ring, and apparently that had a lot to do with it as well. I want to don't know if it says anything to say anything about this in the thirty five years, but not not a thing about that. No, there's a there's in fact there's not a lot. They go straight into the match in the 25 uh, 35 years of wrestlemania book they do have a thing at the end where vince mcmahon remembers and this is a quote from vince mcmahon apparently when you work with individuals like sean and undertaker there is an extraordinary amount of emotion and pride that goes into the art that they are creating by the way they didn't like each other which means that the performance is all the more extraordinary if you like someone or you have similar interests it makes an it's an easier dance so to speak they did not like each other going into that yet they put on this unbelievable performance coming out of that performance they had unbelievable respect for each other that's the thrill of the big payoff the respect that you earn by performing at that level that's what our business in performance is generally all about it's the giving not the taking you had two individuals who wanted to have the best match ever that was their goal and they accomplished it so Vince McMahon has given his thing on this how kayfabe is that do you think what do you mean do you think he actually said that well no in terms of them not liking each other I don't I've think heard, uh, uh, I don't uh, think they were particularly friends. Yeah. I think as a consequence of these two years' matches and then the matches with Triple H, I think they became closer. But I don't mm. think that they were particularly mm. friends. Mm. Well, apparently, Undertaker never really forgave him for Montreal allegedly because he he didn't like working with him anyway at the time. And then when Montreal happened, he was just like, "This guy's an utter cunt." Well, I also remember there are stories about him taping his fists up at backstage at WrestleMania 14 yeah. as well, in case Shawn Michaels didn't. Yeah. Do do the job you want to beat someone up yeah you want to proper lay into them why are you taping your fists well gaffer tape mate any it's any useful for any time any time you need it uh, and, and, and you need to put it on your bollocks as well don't you yeah well, yeah you well, that, your fists and your bollocks <laughs> your fist to your bollocks yeah just so <laughs> yeah. i know i'm getting it right yeah <laughs> <laughs> approach a fight like that like <laughs> <laughs> So the match, let me go into the match, because otherwise we'll never get there. Um, There's a 30-minute match. The Undertaker beats Shawn Michaels when Shawn Michaels comes off the top with a moonsault, but the Undertaker catches him, tombstones him, and pins him. What do you go, Tinky? All right, I'll tell you what I think. Yeah, go on. It's fucking amazing, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely sensational. And it's sensational in, in a way that I hadn't even noticed before, because I think my previous memory of it was that the first four, four, four or five minutes sort of happens, and then the crowd get into it, and they get all excited. That's not true. They're into it from the moment mm-hmm. this match starts. They are absolutely straight into it. Like, there's even it's great anticipation before the match. They've done this kind of almost like old-fashioned movie-style thing where they've got Shawn Michaels in white the Undertaker in black almost Shawn Michaels is effectively mirroring the Undertaker Michaels descends from the sky almost on this chair the Undertaker rises up through the ring entrance so they're, ba- they're basically you know really are representing heaven and hell and then they just have this insanely good insanely good match just superb 
right from the get-go super heated super dramatic there's a number of reasons why this is good and there are a number of reasons why it might maybe shouldn't be as good as it is the first reason it's really good is that they've got all these things that they've done through the course of their career all these built-up equity things that they've done like the undertaker's got the tombstone the chokeslam the hell's gate the last ride the snake eyes the old school the dive off the top rope sure uh, sorry over the top sure michaels has got the moonsault the elbow drop the super kick the skin in the cat they use every single one of these things on more than one occasion and in conjunction with each other to make more and more kind of major dramatic set piece moments that get you gradually more and more of the belief that this match this time has to end and then still doesn't the peak of which of course is the the tombstone on michael's and he kicks out and it's legitimately unbelievable even watching it now i'm just like whoa i just can't it just feels like it's completely not something that happens certainly nobody other than kane i don't think has ever kicked out of a tombstone before probably the have, but i couldn't remember it well that that was the goosebump bit yeah i was watching absolutely. it yeah. and the the bit that's so was so good about it is that undertaker does everything that he does at the end of a match when he wins it you know what yeah. i mean the, the the tongue out the eyes rolled back like you're there you're like it's done it's done. That's it. It's done. And being there at the time for that re- for that moment to happen is going to stay with me forever. Because I can remember me and old man were like, that was a fucking amazing match. Fuck it out. There's more. <laughs> There's more. This is amazing. And it's just um, oh, it's fucking brilliant. Sorry, Tinky. I said I had to talk That's about fine. that that's fine so and they do that for a number of different finishes like the choke slam which is the first false finish of the night it's a massive choke slam it just genuinely does feel like it could be the end the best ever choke slam yeah i think it's, it's just amazing and then and there's every false finish after that they do something that makes you think that could easily be the end but there's no mm. doubt that that could be a satisfying finish to this match like there's there's some sort of sequence of reversals or counters that take place that allows you to believe and investigate in that might be the be the finish and i think that's what they really do well here is they really draw upon all of their history in the biggest way possible which is perhaps a little bit not cheap's not the word but maybe a little easy put it this way if you had two people who the fans perhaps hadn't had years of with each other and then they put on a match like this it wouldn't be as good because the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were able to, to sort of build into all that stuff there are problems with it which don't affect it in any way so for example the bit where the Undertaker falls on his head could easily have completely ruined the whole thing he jumps over the top rope is it Deuce or Domino one of the two is dressed yeah. up as the cameraman doesn't catch him at all the Undertaker just basically must get his arms up just in time and manage to turn his shoulder over so that he doesn't break his neck there's about three three or four there's about three or four incidents where they botch what they're doing they botch mm. the move or the sequence that they're doing but for whatever reason either they manage to basically cover it up or whatever they did just doesn't affect their momentum at all so there's one bit where the michaels counters a tombstone attempt into a dv ddt Undertaker's head gets nowhere near the canvas michaels falls the wrong side of him on the ddt it's really strange and and it just doesn't look right but it doesn't affect the momentum the fans it's not like there's a groan or there's a moment where everything gets quieter it just carries on people just always allow themselves to completely ignore it because they're just in the match and they care about the match and that was a recurring thing we've talked about over and over again on this podcast is that if you can get people to care about the match then actually the actual the overall technical quality and athletic ability on show doesn't matter a jot it's about the investment in the in the match when there's a bit towards the end 
where there are a smattering of this is awesome chants, but there aren't that many. And that's because most of the chants are still for HBK or Undertaker. They're still chanting the names of the people they want to win as opposed to indulging in a this is awesome moment. And that said to everything to me, like this is not, these people haven't been brought out at the moment thinking about the quality of the match. They're just in the who's going to win this thing. I'm desperate for one of these people to win it. So I think it's a, a great match. It may be the best match in WrestleMania history. I mean, it may not be my favorite, but it may be the best match in WrestleMania history. It's hard to hard to argue. Certainly up to this point, it's got a very, very good case for being that. My own personal viewpoint of the match at the time. So I was sat with 40. We were sat next to two lads about the same age as us from Texas. Myself and these two lads were all chatting for The Undertaker. 40 was cheering for it, Shawn Michaels. And it was amazing. Everybody was just Undertaker, HBK, chants all the way through, like for like 20 minutes nonstop. It was just, it was just excellent, excellent stuff. Can't speak highly enough of it. And despite all that, there are problems with it, but you just don't notice them. You just do not notice them when you watch them. Well, you notice them, but they don't matter. They just don't make a difference to the overall quality. There's a bit in it that I, I was I kind of mesmerized by. And again, it's one of those false finishes. It's the uh, Taker gets Shawn Michaels up for a last ride. Michaels kind of crawls down his back to counter it into like a sunset flip or something. Then the Undertaker just grabs him by the neck from underneath, from between his legs, lifts him up and hits the fucking most almighty last ride you have ever seen. The height that he gets and the power in which he slams Shawn Michaels to the ground is absolutely outstanding. It's, oh, it's a great match it's a great match I will need to give a big shout out to again almost shout out MVP the guy in the front row with the white shirt on with the colourful dots dancing to Shawn Michaels music when he comes out <laughs> is absolutely wonderful I, I came into this match a little bit scared actually because I was like what if this match isn't isn't what I remember it being because it's been a good couple of years since I watched it and I was wondering like, it's, have I built this up in my mind and I haven't at all I love the beginning the speed in which Shawn Michaels attacks the Undertaker with, and then the fa- the knee injury fake out where he comes off the second rope after doing the DX suck and then hobbles and what I love about that is that he's like hob- hobbling and pretending to be hurt and Undertaker is just, and the referee's like no stop they can give him a second and Undertaker's like fuck off and just goes over and starts going yeah. to him it's amazing speaking of the ref who the fuck is this ref <laughs> who is this jabroni i've never never seen him before the most it should be or have now i know he wasn't with the company at the time but if they wanted to get if they really wanted to do it properly they should have got a big earl back for this one or at the very least mike Hewler. i'll tell you why it shouldn't have been earl hebner because earl hebner's tick would have ruined the false finish for the tombstone i think i've never seen it i've never noticed it what how could never. you not notice it Just how a good referee should be unnoticed <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I find it an interesting one because I remember back on when I did the Daily Squash, Paul Taylor used to go on about this yeah. all the time. His tell, yeah. Earl Hebner's tell that yeah. you can you can tell when he's not going to count the three. But the thing I always was a bit like, well, I don't notice it because who's watching the referee? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it is. It's not necessarily Hebner's fault. It's always the camera angle. Mm. So it'll be the angle where you can see him and the rest of it. I thought this referee, I don't know what his name is. Let's call him John Tarot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought he is. I thought he is. I thought he was absolutely excellent in this. Well, he sold what was going on brilliantly. Like him and Michaels to get through that phase where the Undertaker is almost dead, I thought was absolutely amazing. But yeah, no idea who John Tarot is. Well, that's that's the thing. Is it's good because he doesn't 
distract you at all, does he? Yeah. The match. There's a couple of bits where throughout the entire match, and maybe it goes feeds into the um, they're not liking each other very much. But Taker looks so fucked off with Shawn Michaels chopping him all yeah. the time. You can tell him he's just like, oh, you fucking cunt! <laughs> Every time he chops yeah. him, it's brilliant. There's a duo of atomic drops by Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Don't see atomic drops these days. And he does a baseball slide. You don't see baseball mm-hmm. slides anymore. These cowards don't do it anymore. Um, the <laughs> There's a bit where Michael's goes to do like a moonsault or something like that to the Undertaker, and in Michael Cole's terminology, Taker swats him aside, and that's such an amazing spot in the match that no one ever mentions because this is a match that's full full of them. See, and that was for me one of the botches. I think they did that. You reckon? Oh, really? Right so I, d- I don't think. See, I don't think that is. Because Michael's doesn't seem to really get the. He's coming at a strange angle, a strange angle on the moonsault. It's it's odd. It's not like he lands it's on his not side, not on his, yeah. not on his front, which means it's not a moonsault, but it's. I think it's supposed to be, and I think they were supposed to do something, but it just doesn't quite happen. But See, didn't, it didn't matter. That's the point. No. That was my point. All these botches, they don't seem to make any difference. They are easily explainable in the in the narrative of the match, or where they they cover it up quite quickly. Well, I I wonder if he's trying to do the old Tommy Dreamer falling down the stairs spot on, uh, on, on, on him. all the greats try that one tom but only one's ever managed <laughs> the suicide dive spot is a brilliant idea but it looks fucking horrendous and that, that is a big botch in, in the match and but i love it that period like i think as you said it tinky like when they're killing time when it was your man when they're killing time trying to get the undertaker to recover the bit where Shawn michaels grabs the ref and he's like fucking count and the way that Shawn michaels sells the desperation of him wanting to count so he's like so i've done i've beaten him is absolutely absolutely amazing you're right the best ever i think it's best ever chokes them and whilst the crowd are really hot into it it's after that last ride reversal that the crowd started to pump up and then it goes into overdrive after the kick out of the tombstone and it's just amazing but it did and the, the end the end of the match whilst it is a bit like he's just stood there clearly looking at him before Sean Michaels does the moonsault which the Undertaker ca- catches it's still pretty fucking spectacular the ability to be able to catch him in midair and tra- turn that into a tombstone is amazing there's one thing that I did think though and there's something that's been bothering me about wrestling recently what I've watched of it I hate it when someone's in a corner and they are counting down, waiting for the other person to get up so they can hit them with their impact finisher. So I'm thinking of Roman Reigns with the ooh before he does the spear, or Drew McIntyre does like a count, doesn't he, where everyone counts along with him, and then he hits the impact. And that's all Shawn Michaels' fault for doing the stomps before the sweet chin music. So I know, again, wrestling, suspended disbelief, yeah, yeah. but you can hear that on the other side of the ring. <laughs> you know what's going to happen, and it just annoys me so much. But that's not really got anything to do with this match. That's just something that came to me after <laughs> it. But the, the match in itself is, is spectacular, and I think you're. I, it's up there. I go... It's up there in terms of quality, not necessarily in terms of my affection for it, with Brett Austin, Brett Owen, and Macho Steamboat for me as the best matches in WrestleMania history. It's a masterpiece. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's just far better than Chris Masters. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Michael's in a year had a cracking match with Chris Masters on pay-per-view. A year. Not sure what year, but a year. Can't remember what year it was. Guarantee it was 2004. 
I th- it might have been five. It's four or five. I wasn't comfortable enough to commit. But yeah, I thought this was spectacular. I had no doubt it was going to be spectacular. This must be my 15th viewing of it, I think. And even I was caught off guard by how good it is. I, I think. I always think that the tombstone kickout is earlier than it is. And I always think, kind of to your point, I always think that it's only then that it ratchets up. But it is phenomenal. Like if it ended then, it would have still been a cracking match, mm. like a really good match. I just thought it was phenomenal. And also, I thought at the end of it, I was like, so you've got the Hardy Boys, right? They have used the death of a dog in their storyline to try and get something going effectively. These cunts, I just want to beat you. That's it. I just want to beat you at Mania. And this was from memory. You guys might be able to correct me. This is the first time where it feels like it's just about the streak. That's all it's about. I know he has the match with Orton where he's trying to be the legend killer. And I feel like that's slightly different. But this is the first one where it's just like, yeah, this is just like, yeah, I just want to be the street because I want to prove that I'm better than you. That's kind of it. And they build this whole beautiful thing off of that. I, I agree. No. I think that I think you're right. I think it is the first one because the previous couple of years he's fighting for the title. The Mark Henry one is more about Mark Henry not being scared of The Undertaker. Ryan Orton's mm. the legend killer, as you say. I do think this is the first one where it's almost exclusively about Shawn Michaels wanting to beat the streak because it's the one thing he hasn't done in his career. It's the one thing he hasn't mm. been able to do is, is that. And he never did. Spoiler alert for next week for a show we recorded <laughs> about two years ago. <laughs> and that was uh, recorded itself about 13 years before uh, years yeah. before that. <laughs> no, I mean, just it is really good. Well, it's a, it is a masterpiece, you're right. And I don't know what else to say. What I would One thing I was going to say is I would love to hear Stephen talk about this because I want to know why it's right that it wasn't a five-star match. Is that what he the, thinks? Well, no, Dave Meltzer didn't give it five stars. So, you know, I, I want, I'd like to know if he thinks that's right and if he does, why? Do you he, gave a, I mean? he didn't give it five stars because he had a fucking thigh slapping going on well, and, and marky, marky things that give Dave Meltzer I don't, a boner. I don't want to, I don't want to be quite so whatever dismissive of of it as that. I want to understand it. You know, I do. I want to understand why that would be the case. And I think, and I think this entirely about again that kind of technical quality, athletic ability thing that for me is a distraction right now and mm. has been for a number of years but that's something i'm interested to explore but just i love it i think it's great i get in the trenches with me thinking to slag off Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not that I, I like Meltzer. i just i'd like to understand it i'd like to understand the thinking you love that hairy-handed ghoul don't you i love understanding why people think the things they think that's what i love and love to do <laughs> so in my, in my profession that'd be a good trick to have <laughs> i think that it's probably a thing where at that point this is 14 years ago probably wasn't giving them so readily and also he then got into this thing where he like gave a match six stars and now apparently he's given one seven and it's like that's a thing isn't it so oh yeah look at this thing whereas if you just give a wwe match five stars wwe it's not new japan it's not barrel load wrestling I don't know. I think it's more noteworthy because he doesn't give them out very often. Mm. So I think it's more. I would. I would think there's more incentive for him to give a five star match to a WWE match because he doesn't do it hardly ever. Yeah. Anyway, whatever the case, don't want to get bogged down in that. Let's move on because Evander Holyfield's next shown in the crowd. Then we see the three announcers and Jerry Lawler says he's exhausted. Michael Cole says that he hopes he's not too exhausted because the world title match is up next. And this was I felt quite telling because that's how the crowd felt. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> they were exhausted and they were like, fuck, we've got the two biggest matches supposedly on the show still to come. You know, I wonder about this match order. They they just didn't keep them protect themselves, did they? No, no. It was so apparent watching it all the way through. They fucked themselves so badly with the match order and they must have known like the people got like will go through the um main event thingy. Uh, the um, WWE Championship match but that had something that the main event didn't in that there was a bit of fun in it but mm. they must have been like in the back they must have been like shit we've killed this crowd and I remember going to the bathroom after the Undertaker Triple H funny how many times am I going to say that tonight? The Undertaker Shawn Michaels match, and there were two guys chatting in, in a queue who weren't together. And this guy just walked up. And he's like, "How oh, the fuck do you follow that fucking neck?" And, <laughs> you... and I, I, I walked to the bathroom and I was like, "You know what? He's fucking right. You can." Have you noticed, Tinky, that uh, <laughs> since old man's been going out with his lovely fiance, he's been saying things like going to the bathroom rather than <laughs> going to the toilet. The other most egregious was a couple of months ago. He went. Oh, we're going grocery shopping later. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. USA, USA, USA. I don't think they got it too far wrong, other than the main event, you know, because up next, the World Heavyweight title match, John Cena, Edge, and the big show. Edge is the champion going in. It's John Cena. John Cena guarantees you a certain amount of crowd investment regardless people some people hate him some people love him therefore he's gonna get it like he i I commented on wrestlemania 24 episode john seems the one person in the in the roster that legitimately everybody emotionally cares about one way or the other they either hate him or they love him and that even though that was kind of the the wwe line for such a long time like oh you know you either love him or hate him but you still care it's actually true It, it genuinely is true because everybody else struggled to maintain an emotion that you felt for them. Cena did not. Cena never struggled to get people caring about the matches he was involved in. They get through that. And the real problem, uh, or maybe not the real problem, but the cherry on top of the problem is what comes after that. But we'll get to that in, in a little bit of time. The World Heavyweight title match, they do the hype video. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? Oh, no, hang on. No, sorry, sorry. I, I some some reason, I crossed through this match and i thought you'd missed something very special no no but i now realize what you were alluding to yeah basically i shit me pants again basically <laughs> i have jim rossed it you need, all you over need the a place. 10 gallon hat don't you old man <laughs> <laughs> i need a fucking 15 gallon hat mate so the hype video for the world heavyweight title match shows edge entering the elimination chamber at the last minute and winning the world heavyweight title big show and edge then signing a contract for a title match at wrestlemania cena then blackmailing vicky into adding him to the match or he'll expose the fact that vicky's having an affair with the big show behind edge's back as soon as cena signs the contract though for the match he then reveals it anyway oh the video footage of him coming in and kissing <laughs> her while they're just in the shower and then big show and then she smacks, and she smacks his ass <laughs> and he goes oh <laughs> it's amazing love it look go on big show it is good i i like that too we then get the match, the triple threat match, John Cena, Edge, Big Show, 15-minute match in, in total. So Cena hits an attitude adjustment on the Big Show. He uh, momentarily has both Big Show and Edge up. Then a A's Edge onto the Big Show and pins him. John Cena is the world champion again. Old man. Big Show wearing a 22-5E boot. Oh, yeah. Just so you know. Yeah, just so you know. The crowd are, to say that they're reserved for Edge and Big Show's entrances will be kind. They're 
very quiet. Cena, to Tiki's point, does get him going. Does get him going a little bit. And I do quite like his little crappy entrance, to be honest. But Luna says, again, like this fucking cut of access says it's the best thing he's ever seen. It's like, it's people. It's literally just people stood. It's not that good. They're not even doing anything at that time. I enjoyed the bit where the big shoe's in the ropes for ages. And... Edge spears Vicky into Chavo's hands and Big Show just goes, what did you do? <laughs> In a really <laughs> anguished noise, which I really enjoyed. They do the spear through the barricade spot, which is now pretty standard, but wasn't back then. And then it finishes. And I think they work their little socks off here and they try and make it entertaining, I think, rather than they go the right way in that it's there's some fun stuff in it rather than just it being a straight wrestling match because I think these guys are probably wise enough to know that we ain't going to be able to have a five-star match in terms of wrestling after that. I thought this was perfectly fine because they were in a tough spot. They did okay. Yeah, I agree. I think this was all right, actually, this match. Mm. And I like the scene entrance too. I like that with him coming out to, you know, with all the Cena clones, that was cool. And yeah, they, they just put in enough stuff here. Cena sells fantastically for Big Show through this match. Yeah. He really mm-hmm. sells well for him. He's throwing himself all over the place, takes his big chop and really gives it some. I, I thought he was. <laughs> Hang on a minute. He gives it some. Hang on. What kind, of, big what kind of match was this? <laughs> he takes his big chop. Exactly the kind of match you love, old man. Um, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just thought this was this was actually quite quite decent, and I did think they held the crowd's attention despite you following Undertaker. I'm um, sure Michael. So Tom, to your point about Randy Orton saying, "Oh, we were following Shawn Michaels Undertaker." Well, bollocks. You know these these guys had to do it, and they were fine. They, you know, it wasn't a classic or anything, but it was not a bad match. This and it's got the big show in. So you can, yeah. I'm sorry, you can't you can't use that as, as an excuse. Yeah, you're fighting a losing battle already, aren't you? <laughs> when you've got the big show in your match. My notes are very kind of short on this one. Most of what I said is, is covered, but obviously, yeah, Chavo and <laughs> Vicky Grow come down to the ring, and Chavo, my best friend, obviously, is a uh, wheeling Vicky down in her wheelchair, which is just quite a funny visual I find. I don't know why. The John Cena entrance. So to kind of describe it, like you said, there's loads. Of people, loads of people dressed like John Cena with their faces covered, all walk down to the ring at the same time to the Thug Life, I think it's called, the this old theme song. And then they all stand by the side and do the You Can't See Me as John Cena comes out, does his crappy salute, and legs it to the ring. Now I'm watching all these people walk down, and I was like, Yeah, you know, they're all, it can't be that hard to do because they've all. They must have so many of those You Can't See Me t-shirts. It's the AWA style You Can't See Me t-shirts mm. and uh, and matching. The one that I always used to think was HLA. Yes. <laughs> Hot lesbian action because it does look like that. It does, it does. And I'm looking at them all and then all of a sudden I notice it. I was like, they're all wearing the exact same jorts as well. Yeah. There must be 60 odd pairs of jorts that were spent and maybe used to that one occasion and they're all wearing the same trainers as well. So that was just, I was just like, oh my God. No one would have noticed otherwise. I don't think it would have been too bad if they were wearing like, just wear your denim shorts. It's fine. But they've all got the exact same ones. Don't know why. I find that really impressive. Um, <laughs> they've managed to source a lot of the same clothes. Well yeah. done to them. But like, were they were like, did they all fit? I, I was just thinking like the logistics of it. Like if you had a guy with like a smaller, if they put them all just in the same size was there to they have to go out loads of belts 
for people to do it? Like, what? How did this? How did this logistically work? It's a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have to do it, work too hard. They just bought a load of mediums and said, "If you're a medium, get on the stage. We're going to fucking put you out." You reckon? Uh, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, the match hang itself. On, hang on. Are we talking medium size or medium as in those people who like see into the future and that? <laughs> like a clairvoyant? Obviously the yeah. latter. Come on. Who yeah. cares about yeah, what size yeah. they are? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a pretty impressive leg drop from John Cena from the outside, which uh, to the outside, which I thought was quite good. But you guys have mentioned everything else. My highlight of that match is Big Show being tra- trapped in the ropes and then yelling at the ref to get him out. <laughs> this is great. And like this is almost, which is weird because it's like for the title, almost a popcorn match after the mm-hmm. after, yeah. after the previous match. It's just fun. It's just what it should be. And I don't know. I'd be interested to see how you guys think how you would order this card because like you said like there's no reason for triple h versus randy orton to be this boring <laughs> considering they've had this filler match in between so if all the matches were exactly the same as they are but you could reshuffle them through you know in over the space of the four hours what would you do i wouldn't change anything i'd just change the way the last match went i just make it better. make it better because well one thing i wouldn't do is put what comes next on next yeah because I think that really then means that Triple H and Orton are in trouble. Yeah, I've got a bit of a comment on that, actually. Because what is next are the highlights of the Hall of Fame. This year's class were the Funks, Coco Beware, the Von Erics, Bill Watts, Howard Finkel, Ricky Steamboat and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Justin Roberts, although I originally wrote Justin Gabriel, introduces the 2009 <laughs> Hall of Fame class to the live crowd. Then Austin comes to the ring on a quad bike to a big pop and he poses for the crowd for like six, seven minutes. He has a drink with Jim Ross and JR says, what an unbelievable goodbye to for WrestleMania for Steve Austin. And it's massive. Obviously, a massive pop. He's in Houston. If they didn't have enough to overcome already, Triple H and Randy Orton, mm. in terms of what they're following, they then have to follow this, which it basically extracts the last bit of energy out of this crowd. Mm. That's why I think this is the thing I would possibly change in terms of that order is putting this, maybe putting this where the bloody Kid Rock concert is and switching the Kid Rock concert maybe to this point. Because then maybe that would have given everyone a chance to just get back into things. I don't know. This bit, there's one bit that annoyed me though, Austin. I thought he was very wasteful with his beer at one point. Because right at the end, the very last one, I know you're going to say, old man, the very last one, he gets two, he gets two cans, he opens them both up, and he drinks from one, or does the pour into his mouth, and then just throws them both behind him. Don't even touch the other one. As someone who really likes a beer, the fact that if even if he just poured a little bit into his mouth, that would have been better, but he literally just opens it up and chucks it away. That's absolutely appalling. People are desperate for a beer out there, and <laughs> one perfectly good one wasted. I tell you what, though, I tell you what, we we got lucky because we know that Jim Ross didn't require his hat for any, any shit on the WrestleMania 25 <laughs> yeah. night because Steve Austin takes it off and wears yeah. it for a little bit. That's lovely. That's a lovely little bit. I thought that was wonderful because it's obviously it's in the public sphere that JR played a massive part when Austin was out injured in kind of bringing him back and re-motivating him. But I thought to have that public acknowledgement from, as Vince calls him the night before, the greatest WWE superstar of all time, I thought it was lovely. For a man who got treated like an absolute shit by Vince McMahon numerous times, I thought, lovely old job. Well, that's Steve. I find 
it really interesting. It's the one time, really, that you've actually properly seen Vincent Mann, like, at that. Did he do the same with The Undertaker as well? Did he induct The Undertaker, do we know, into the Hall of Fame? Don't know. Don't care. Didn't see it. But, like, it's so telling, obviously, how the importance of Stone Cold Steve Austin to the WWF that Vincent Mann came out and did his induction speech. It couldn't really be anyone else, to be fair. But I still well, think it could have been, it's, it's, could have been Jim Ross. Easily. Could have, yeah. Yeah, that's tragedy, yeah, fair play. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, the Undertaker. No, the, Undertaker right. the Undertaker did do Vince Man. Vince Man did do the Undertaker. Sorry. Um, maybe they did each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's then an advert for WrestleMania 26 in Phoenix, and then Lillian Garcia announces that 72,744 are in attendance for WrestleMania 25. She doesn't say that this is in a, a record though, which is a nice change of pace. They usually always announce that it's a record. That's everything on the show. There were one, two, one or two things I wanted to mention again about the Triple H Orton match. First, the the good. So I really liked that they tied in Triple H's turn on Orton from 2004 yeah. to the beginning of the the video. Thought that was great. That's again going back to continuity and using your history. Love that. Really good. Now the the thing that I wondered about. So this stipulation, going back to the bad stipulation, which is if Triple H gets disqualified or counted out, he loses the title. Something in me whilst I was watching this match fired off a thought of what if they'd have explored that and really explored it and possibly even had Triple H do something that got him disqualified to lose the title. This this story's been super personal. It Orton's attacked Triple H's family, he's attacked Stephanie, he's kissed her as, as we've said previously. Triple H is, is raging. Like we've, there's, there's one moment in the match where Jim Ross says, you know, Jim Triple H is shaking with anger at the fact that everything that Warren's done. And I just wonder whether or not they could have done a thing where they did a lot of work in the ring, especially as the crowd are quiet and had them almost talking to one another and having Orton basically saying all these things like uh, really awful stuff to Triple H about Stephanie, about anybody else. And having this thing where the referee's basically pleading with Triple H not to, I don't know, hit Randy Orton in the head with a sledgehammer or a chair or something. And Triple H is getting more and more angry to the point where he can't, he just can't stop himself and does it, gets disqualified, potentially knocks Randy Orton out. Maybe they even give him some claret as a, as a consequence of this blow, but he loses the title in the process. It wouldn't probably work for the main event of WrestleMania, and I'm sure Matt would be raging about the idea that the main event of WrestleMania could end on a disqualification. But I think, given the nature of the match and done right, it could be a very different way to go with the main event and potentially have made it much more memorable than where we went. Difficult because I always think the babyface should win the main event of WrestleMania, but in this instance, I just wonder whether or not it might just have worked. Maybe. But yeah, it would have given them a chance to do something a bit more interesting than what they did, which was just roll around for a little bit. It just could be the classic. It could just be the like the classic kind of. Maybe I'm just thinking of it as a classic thing because I watch EastEnders a lot. But it's a, it's a kind of a classic thing. Like you know, the 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 bad guy wants the the good guy to hit them or do something that makes them seen as something bad in the eyes of someone else, or indeed gets them arrested or whatever. So they make they kind of they kind of incite them into hitting them or doing something that will will cost them something else. Mm. And Orton has got one thing left that they talk about all the way through. He's got one thing left he wants to do, which is take the title. And I just think maybe not as the main event, maybe earlier in the show, but I think it could work as a as an ending to this match, which would have made something a bit more interesting out of what we got. I actually thought that when I was watching it and then completely forgot about it. But yeah, just but it's all it's then ending it on a bad note, isn't it? 
yeah well as i say maybe maybe you don't have this as the main event and you, you do yeah. i don't know but you know they, theirs was the main event in fairness to them there's they, their match was the main event it was the best built match it was the most mm. important match was for the wwe title it, it, in every way it's the, it is the main event it's just the match doesn't live up to it and again maybe we're we're going through that thing we've spoken about this at, during wrestlemania 23 and 24 reviews is maybe the main event doesn't have to be the last match on the show you know just, mm. the build main event doesn't have to be the last match on the show it certainly wasn't always the case during Hogan's time because whenever Hogan lost, it was buried in the middle of the card, so people weren't going mm. home sad. So. Well, and you obviously had that run of great main events on Saturday night's main event, <laughs> where like one of them was like a King versus like a Dustin Man or something. Oh, amazing! <laughs> amazing! That's the real main event. Uh, well, you know, like it was again. I think we said it at the time. Like back in the eighties, the Madison Square Garden shows very often ended with a tag team title match, and they'd have San Martino mm. or someone in the middle of the show. Like because very yeah. often it would be a San Martino lost by disqualification to set up the rematch. So mm. they did needed the the, the 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 last match to be something a bit more conclusive. The Killer Bees versus the Bolsheviks. The classic. So that is everything for WrestleMania twenty five time for overall thoughts and scores out of 10 i don't know old man whether we got your mvp but maybe i'm forgetting no i'm gonna give my mvp to jr for his commentary in the undertaker Shawn michaels and mr triple h again Shawn michaels match <laughs> because i think he elevates it it doesn't need elevating but i because i know the match so well i probably paid attention to the commentary and i think he's bang on form in this and i also love the little beer thing with austin match of the night is unsurprisingly michael's undertaker any day of the week three times on sundays but overall as a show i so i was kind of caught off guard by this because there is some stuff that's not very good on here like the main event's not done particularly well the hardy's match i don't think is very good i didn't mind the money in the bank i did not like all the stuff with santina Morella and I didn't like the Kid Rock stuff. But those are the only things that I really, really dislike. I was actually caught quite off guard by how much I actually quite enjoyed this show. So I'm going to give it a seven. It, it almost made an eight. Mm. I think if it wasn't for the Kid Rock concert and if they'd have had a proper women's match, I think they might have got an eight. And I was really surprised. I am going to give this a six. And that's mainly based on the strength of HBK versus Undertaker. I cannot state enough how bored I was during the main event, and that it does detract from it massively. The rest of the rest of it is somewhat okay, but with the main event being so awful, and like I said, the diva battle being absolute trash means that it has to it won't ever get any higher than a six for me, Clive. <laughs> Uh, I am also giving it a seven. Really shocked by the extent mm. to which I enjoyed this show. And I really believed going in this would be a one-match show. It would be, I really like Undertaker to trip, uh, Shawn Michaels. God, now I'm doing it. Nearly call it Triple H. Yes, <laughs> um, but everything else is shit. And that's not really true. The Cena, Big Show, Edge, Triple Threat match is really quite decent. The Money in the Bank match is is really decent. The Chris Jericho against the Legends, though, for the most for parts of it, is really atrocious. You can't deny that you get into it. Like as you're watching it, you get into it because the, the stuff with Steamboat and Jericho is great. Flair is brilliant on the outside, makes you really buy into it all. Really cool. I didn't mind the Hardys match. I thought the Hardys match was was 
okay as a spot fest and then even the main event like i didn't hate it and i didn't i wasn't bored it's just it was clear that it didn't match up to what should have been on that in that match that was the main detraction for me from that but then you've got Undertaker versus michael which is insanely good and it's 30 minutes long and it's just brilliant it's just absolutely brilliant so i think as a whole this show gets a little bit of a bad rap because maybe because of that main event mainly i think it just leaves you on this thing and i think also probably at the time and probably i was thinking this at the time cena winning wasn't really the ideal if, if, if you're somebody really is like cena didn't want him to win then him winning the title again in a major match at wrestlemania probably would have been a bit of a downer and i just think it does get a little bit of a bad rap and i don't think it deserves it. i think it's, it's actually not a bad show amazingly that's given which puts it on a par with wrestlemania 24 which i mean imagine there's going to be some people who uh have problems with that but we can put that down to steven because he gave wrestlemania 24 a really bad rating so it's all his fault basically <laughs> yeah but that's because he was angry because he didn't go didn't he that's true he didn't just, and again yeah. his, his own but it was his own fault again you know you should have just gone yeah. shouldn't he yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing we can do about that. Nothing we do about young Steve not going. It's your own fault, mate. So WrestleMania 25 on the leaderboard, because it's got a 5.94 rating from cage match on average, is currently lying in sixth place in the overall table. Mm. No, it's not fifth, in fact. Fifth place in the overall table. Uh. Lying in 17, 19, 21, 24. So those are the ones it's behind. It's above WrestleMania 10, 22, 23. 3, 14, 15, 20, etc. Many, many more as well. So come out very high, very surprisingly high yeah. this one. But it was far better than I remembered it. And again, that goes back to what I was saying about I think wrestling is better viewed on television than it is mm. in the in the in the in person. In person, I thought this was a one match show and everything else was shit. On the screen, watching it here, I thought actually this is a yeah, it's a perfectly decent show. Well, they also managed the thing that. You don't, they don't always say so I know they're entwined, but Kid Rock obviously plays the divas on and you've got that like probably half hour of the show, probably a little bit less than that. And then that's done. Mm. The shit's done. Like the, the stuff that I genuinely didn't care about at all. I didn't care about the Hardys match when it was happening, but I did until it happened. I, I did not give a shit about Santina Morella being a lady. But yeah. Good shit. It just yeah. whipped by. I I watched it two sittings, no three sittings, but that was purely time based. And the first bit I watched up until uh, Michael's Undertaker whipped by. Loved it. Uh, well, apart from that that bit in the middle. But after that, I was just like, yeah, this has just got a nice rhythm to it. So that is everything for today. It's not everything for today. Oh yes, of course, Tom. You've got the you've got the game. We've got um, the game. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stretch it out to twenty minutes like like you do in the in the Great British episodes. I'm gonna put a five minute timer on this, oh. right? The rules of this game are wrestlers or wrestling personnel who we <laughs> saw over that weekend. <laughs> Fucking hell. And there is a points award based on these certain criteria. So WrestleMania main card, one point. Hall of Fame, two points. Referees, also two points. Participants in the Diva Battle Royal, two points. Because uh, obviously there's a lot of people. The WrestleMania Dark Match, three points. Because it was a tag match, but it was also was a lumberjack match. People at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor 4. And there are two special bonus answers. One of which is five and one of which is a whopping ten. Why? Because I've decided that's what it is. 
<laughs> Special bonus answers. If you can get them, I'll give you JR's hat. Ooh, nice. <laughs> All right, so five minutes on the clock. Uh, we'll go uh, with returning hero, Tinky, first. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jerry Lynn. Ah, uh, yes. That is a four-pointer for Tinky. Nigel McGuinness. Oh, look at this. That is correct. Nigel. I can barely remember anybody who was on this show, but I'm going to guess that Brian Danielson was on it. He was. Well, yeah, no, that was his name, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, hang on, I was looking for him on the sheet. There he is. Four points. Uh, Coco Beware. That is... <laughs> yes, that is right, but that's a tremendous shout. Of all the people from the Hall of Fame, you go with Coco. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Kevin Von Erich. That's correct. That's a two-pointer. I will go Mickey Rourke. Oh, God. Sorry. Uh, do you know what? I haven't put him on here, but that, that'll be a... Hang on, give me two seconds. That'll I... be 15 points, surely. <laughs> do you know what? I haven't put him on here, you know? Hang on, I'm going to quickly add that. Old man gets an extra two points for Mickey Rourke. Well, he's not technically a WWE employee, but still. <laughs> Bill Watts. That's correct. Four. Two points. So, oh, what? I'm going to go... Matt Stryker. <laughs> Let me have a little look for him. He's definitely in the um, Access yeah. video. And from memory, we saw him at Access. Yeah, we did. We did. Again, yeah. I I couldn't find him on there anywhere, but you are 100% right that Matt Stryker was there. I'm going to give that a two. Okay, I'm going to try and punt for one of these big bonus yeah. answers. Shane McMahon. That's a 10, mate. Shane McMahon! Yes. That's the 10. Yes, my excitement to see him wins over again. Uh, uh, big show. <laughs> yes, that's solid one. <laughs> no, because I can't remember <laughs> who, who, who Tinky... Oh, oh, who, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Undertaker. I can't remember. <laughs> remember who Tinky saw in the bog. Or whether it was this <laughs> year was, or the next year. That was in 26. Yeah. <laughs> my my next answer is not going to be the ticket. I'm going to I'm going to punt for one of the other bonuses, but I I don't I can't remember if this is right or not. Butch. No, that's right. not that's not a bonus. Oh. But um, hang on. Was he there? I, I didn't even remember if no, he was there. No, Bushwhacker Butch was not there. Okay. Hmm. It's disappointing. I'll go for Ashley. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> She's in the Divas Battle Royal, mate. Yeah. I know, but I, I don't think she is, mate. Yes, she is. No, she's not. I, I thought Ainsley, is that it? It's not Can Cook, Won't Cook, mate. Can Cook, Won't Cook? Yeah, Ainsley Harriet. Um, Joy Giovanni, she's in the Battle Royal. She is, whoever the fuck that is. All right, I'll go Katie Lee Burchill then. Yep. All right. Um, I'm going to guess that Claudio Casanelli was on the ROH card. He was. See, I don't know any Ring of Honor people. <laughs> so. But you were at the show just like I was, so. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have a clue what it was. It went on for days. There was that alarm coming off for <laughs> ages. 30, 30 oh, seconds left, lads. <laughs> oh, that's all right, mate. It was just so boring, wasn't it? Uh, Melina. Yes, she's in the. Um, that's royal. How about El Generico? That's right. Our friend and yours, Sami Zayn himself. All right, I'll go Kevin Steen. Yep, you're right. He is in there as well. I'm going to go for Tyler Black. 
That's right. Hang on a second, you cunts. You're going too quick. For oh, me. I'm going to go Tyler Rex. Because I reckon they, I reckon they were a lumberjack. <laughs> Probably. Kevin yeah. right. old man. Yeah. Tyler. Oh, there we go. Time has stopped. But so I still need to do a little bit of talking. So you said Tyler Black. Yep, he was there. All mm-hmm. Seth Rollins himself. And you want us to look for Tyler? You want me to look for Tyler Rex as one of the dark matches? Yeah, which is R E K S. Uh, you'll be wrong. <clears throat> so me. they were there. Was was Yoshi Tatsu there? Yes, he won it, didn't he? No. Oh, no, he didn't win the battle. I'm thinking there's a battle royal, but this not. is pathetic. The lumberjacks. So, okay. All right, let's delete that. So just to to let you guys know, oh, fuck off. This is the title. Why me? Bloody heck. Some so they're it. Worst organisation for the game ever. Do you know what the thing, I was gonna, the problem is, Tinky? I'm not as um, hot with my Excel formulas as you are, and I was gonna call you up and be like, "Can you sort this out for me?" And then I realised that um, you then see all the <laughs> all the answers. <laughs> so um, so yeah, that's not gonna happen. I don't think you so, need to do the maths. I've won, mate. You batted him. Yeah. You batted him. But <laughs> yeah, just to yeah, keep yeah. the context, there's a potential um, 374 points on the board. <laughs> Tinky has won with points. The point of having a spreadsheet would be that it would, it would add it up automatically. <laughs> I know, but I'd fuck that. I'm not a nerd. <laughs> An old man's <laughs> seven or something like that. No, 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 no. I want to know what I got. All right, fine. Hang on. Something like, oh, man, it's something like seven. I mean, what's wrong with you? I'd, I'd take it if I was you because it might even be less. No, it's not. It's, 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 well, according to this, it's 347. So it's been wrong with the there we go. Thank you. I won. Uh, uh, right, hang on. Let me do it properly. Who there was the other bonus then, Tom? This is all we care about now. Who was the other bonus? Right, 22, old man, you got. So not not awful, but not. not yeah, see? The bo- the trying to give me seven. There's no way I got 32 then, because I, I was hitting him with fours all over the place, and he was um, like getting the ones. <laughs> a big show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Batista was the other one, but it's the five pointer. Who? Batista. What? Ah. Uh, yeah. Night rule. Um, but just to give you a little bit of a heads up of the people who were there at the um, Ring of Honor show. So is Bushwhacker Luke. Oh, I knew one of them was there. Um, we had, yeah, Cloud, all the big ones. We had D'Lo Brown there. Oh, man. Remember that? We obviously no. had, uh, we obviously had um, Kenta, who would go on to be uh, whatever his name was in NXT. Austin, Austin Aries with his package that he always used to talk about. And then who else? There was another one who was around. Um, obviously, Kevin, Kevin Owens, Jay Briscoe was there, the dearly departed. Colt Cabana. Um, a few a few names back in the day, but they're the, the main ones that have of uh, of any repute have uh, since gone on. There was someone whose name is I don't know, some cunt, but his picture's really funny in the uh, on the program, which I've still got. Larry Sweeney, whoever he is. He's, Larry Sweeney, right? Larry Sweeney's dead, unfortunately. He died. Right. Committed suicide. Tom. Committed suicide a few years <laughs> after that, but legitimately fucking brilliant. He really? is, was a Chikara regular, and he was a mix between Mr. Perfect and Randy Savage in terms of his character. He was just oh, yeah? insanely good. He was just great. He was a great promo. Really funny. Really good. His, his, um, his, like I said, his picture in the... Uh... In the, the program, it's, it's magnificent. I'll find I'll find a picture of it, and if I don't put it onto my social media, which I probably won't, I'll uh, I'll pop it in the old uh, in the old WhatsApp group so you can have a look. The the other thing is, I'm surprised you didn't go down the old whole Von Eric route. Mm. If you if you said Von Eric's, that would have been twelve points. 
but surely they weren't, no, we didn't see them, on. did we? They're dead. Well, they were yeah. dead. Okay, we didn't see them, though, did we? So who said it's who we've seen at WrestleMania? They weren't there. Ah, well, it's not, it's, not, it's not the game's fault they're all dead, is it? No, it's your, no, it's your fault. <laughs> no, it's not my fault. It's I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> you killed him. Yeah, I, don't know, I must have missed some answers out. But according to my maths, which is, you know, notoriously bad, you your actual score, Tinky, is uh, 32. Yeah, 32. <laughs> all right, well, whatever. I've won. It doesn't matter. Anyway, all that's left for me to do is thank you both for joining me today. So, old man, uh, welcome back. Thank you. Um, I'll be honest, I feel like I've aged quite a lot in the last five minutes that was that was <laughs> agonizing watching Tom try and do that but it's a it is a genuine joy to be back because i don't have to study anymore and i get to hang out with you cunts and i get to hang out with another cunt uh next time i'm on which is mm. exciting wow no kempatera there old man no oh it's no. forgotten, it's forgotten him <laughs> tom thank you for your contributions as well <laughs> It's always a pleasure. It's good to good to have a uh, the band back together, and uh, and with with some new members. It's great. We're like um I don't know some band. But we're like new no, we're like NWO in 1998. <laughs> Massively oh, adding, adding, adding people in. We're just gonna be like, hey, have you ever thought about wrestling? Yeah, get on the podcast. <laughs> that yeah. is all we've got time for today. Old man is legitimately gonna. Flog himself like he's never done before for forgetting Ken Patera. Hey, guys, guys, great review and remember Ken Patera. Well, we'll be back again in two weeks' time with WrestleMania 27. Next week, we've got our repost of WrestleMania 26. Until then, 